Dominic, me brother. Hello, Joe, for fuck's sake. For Look fuck's at you sake. sitting up there in your high yeah, horse. Yeah, he asked me if I was David Letterman in them. I should tell everybody about this chair. <laughs> this, uh, this is my latest device to try to mitigate back pain from sitting, and it's called the, uh, I think it's called a Sally. Yeah, S-A-L-L-I, and it's a saddle chair. It's like a saddle. So if you see how it's sitting here, no no one's endorsing this. I'm just telling you. It, it feels, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. They would hate me endorsing this because it feels like shit. It's like the least comfortable chair I think I've ever sat it's in. It's the anti-commercial. But it's very good for your back. It makes sure you, like, you can't sit any way other than like this. Like, you have to sit, like, straight up. You can't, like, slouch in this thing. It just doesn't support it. And when I sit in a regular chair, by the end of the podcast, my fucking neck starts to hurt. Like, my back, like, around here where I've been injured starts to hurt. Wouldn't that, like, stretch your asshole out, though, and, like, give you That's what I'm trying to do. Make it easier for... If I ever do wind up going in the pokey, I want to (laughs) be... Just gaping soon. Um, no, it doesn't do anything, your asshole, you fucking idiot. Well, I mean, look, like, look, how, look how you're sitting now. It's like your butthole is spread Oh, no, I'm apart, squeezing. No, this is, you're not listening. You, the whole idea behind this is it's like a saddle. If you sit in a saddle, you actually kind of have to hold yourself in place. So by squeezing your legs together, it's not opening your butthole. You're actually squeezing everything tight. So if you were a gal and you wanted to have one of these, I figure it would probably be good for the old JJ. Probably tighten that baby up. Mm. Like women are supposed to like do those Kegel, not supposed to, supposed to if they care about treating a penis correctly with their vagina, they do those Kegel exercises where you squeeze your vagina and you can actually make it stronger. There's some crazy bitch in Russia that's like the world record holder for the amount of weight she can carry with her pussy. But it's something substantial, like 50 pounds. So she shoves a dildo in her (laughs) pussy, attaches it to a fucking kettlebell, and uh, and does squats holding this this dildo in in her box. Just with her shield pushing back, like grabbing it like that. Is anybody else getting hungry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I'm getting peckish. Well, you know, did you ever hear a honeysuckle divine? Yes. Yes. She was the one that used to shoot ping pong balls and eat a tuna fish sandwich with yeah. a lot and all. Where was that at? Where'd she do I that? I know she did it at the Trocadero in Philadelphia because that was like when we were kids, it was like this big joke about honeysuckle divine. But uh, I was up at the rib and they were shooting a porn. And, you know, these porn girls need so much attention, obviously. And they didn't have anything else to do, no, no more conversation. So one girl sits in the bush and goes, do your trick. You know the, the, the container their cigars put in? Uh-huh. She jams that in her, and she just pops it out. But she she hit the girl too hard. It was so funny. The girl's face is there, and she goes, boom. And the girl goes, fuck, ow. <laughs> big, big red mark on her face. How do so you explain she, that? She can shoot it out of her pussy so hard it hurts. Yeah. Did you see that fucking mantis shrimp that I posted on my uh, my uh, in my Twitter page yesterday? No. You got to see this. This is the craziest fucking animal I have ever heard in my life. If you scroll down, a guy named Mike Jackson Esquire, the Truth Jackson on Twitter, sent this shit to me. And it's uh, a murder mantis shrimp. It's a shrimp that has a built-in weapon. It's not actually a shrimp. It's like they explain what it is. It has a built-in weapon, like it has this thing where its body's like got a spring inside of it. It's got two hammers, and it shoots the hammers out and slams onto like crabs and kills them. Oh. Breaks their shells open, breaks open clams and crabs. It is the wildest looking where thing I've ever this? seen where in the that? ocean somewhere. 
It's called a, they call it the mantis murder shrimp, and they have a video in slow motion explaining how this shrimp. I never heard of it. I never heard of it either until yesterday. This guy uh, who is explaining it, we should give this guy's uh, YouTube page, whatever it is. Is that him? It's, uh, smarter every day. Smarter every day. Yeah. it's called Mantis Murder Shrimp. Yeah, watch, scroll, scroll it back just a little bit before, right where you were, just a little bit there, and it'll show you. Watch how this thing does this. Turn the volume up. Watch how it comes out. It whacks this crab and uh, fucking kills it. Fucking knocked it out. Watch this. Look at this. Wow. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. It's got two hammers on the end of its claws. That's cool. I never knew a thing like this existed. That's cool. How could that be kept from us all these years? All these years. There's so many animals. Look at it. The, uh, the crab is smashed. It, crashed the, it crushed the shell of the, of the crab. It's crazy that that thing has been there in the ocean this whole time. And we never heard about it until 2014. There's too why, many things to pay attention to. That's why I come here to this podcast. To, to learn, learn about shrimps that fuck people up <laughs> or fuck things up. Um, yeah, it's not actually a shrimp. It's like something else. They call it a... Here, I'll, I'll Google it it's, and find out what the fuck it actually is. But uh, incredible. But this is... That you're just finding out about it's this. It's like boxing gloves almost. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it looks like... Like hammers, right? Yeah. Look at that. So the the, the, the podcast is smarter every day, or the uh, the show is smarter every day. It's a really well done show too. Wow! They did a great job of explaining the mechanism that this thing has inside of its body. It's essentially like a spring. It pulls this thing back, and then it holds it in place and wait. It's like locked, and then when it gets close to things, it just releases it. Imagine well, how hard it has to hit you because it's underwater. Yeah, that's so right. That slows it down. Yeah, and deep underwater too. You know. It's not like it's on the surface. You're dealing with a lot of pressure. Amazing. Really amazing stuff. The world, Dominic. Oh, uh, every day so I learn something and I forget something else. The last time we worked together, we did Kill Tony at uh, the Ice House, because I still don't go to the comedy store. But the Ice House uh, version of Kill Tony, you and I, I had, that was more fun oh, than God. I've had doing any, like, a podcast in a long time. Me that too. was really fucking fun. Yeah, we were crying last So silly. So silly. The 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 premise behind Kill Tony, folks, you don't know. It's uh, Tony Hinchcliffe and Brian Redband have this podcast where they do. Everybody does like a minute. Like you have new comics, they go up and do a minute, and they have these two girls. What are their names again? Sarah Weinshank and Kimberly Condom. Very funny gals who um, <laughs> do a free, uh, uh, not a free, uh, a new rather minute every week, which. If you've ever done stand-up before, yeah. it's, it's hard to harder do. than it sounds. Yeah, it sounds like a new minute's easy, but you know they don't get a chance to really develop it. It's just every week they do a new minute, and they've done that since the very beginning. So their entire stand-up career has essentially been just doing stand-up on the internet in front of everybody. That takes balls. It does. But uh, I was a little mean, I thought, but I was I was having fun. You had to be. If you got to go for the jugular, uh, so go for that jugular. <laughs> I love guys that had a minute and they came up like with 35 seconds. Yeah. They, they couldn't fill a minute. And they're like, okay. So uh, how are you, where are you guys from? Like, <laughs> Well, if you stare at your mirror and you practice for a minute, it's most likely not really going to be a minute when you're up there because you're going to be panicking. You'll be talking faster. <laughs> Do you ever get nervous anymore? Everybody uh, always asks me that. Yeah, I got nervous before I filmed my special in Denver. I definitely, no kidding. Yeah, I got a little... Yeah, because I, I probably good worked for so hard for it. Yeah, yeah. it worked out great. But it was just, it was so much uh, preparation for it. I definitely, it felt more intense than a regular show. Not like. You're big in Denver, right, Joe? Uh, yeah. I did it at a small place, though. I did it at the Comedy Works. Oh, that's where I'm going this week, this I month. I love that place. I, I did. You do a good downtown or to the cruise ship? Downtown. 
The cruise ship? That's what it's like, the, the other place. Why do you say it's like a it's cruise It's just ship? like a giant, because it, it has everything. It has like you know movie theaters, uh, restaurants, and it's all in one little block. Oh, know, I little, see what you're saying, yeah. Downtown is like funkier. Yeah, d- well, downtown's smaller too, and it's like st- you're stuffed into that really cool room. That room is. Oh, you did your special so in that room? Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. It was fun. It was I th- really see, fun. I think that's better than a theater. I think so too. Well, my my th- thought process behind it was that when you're at home, you're in your living room. Your, your living room is very intimate. You're sitting down, or you know, maybe you're downloaded on your computer. <laughs> you're in your office, but either way, you're you're in a small environment usually, yeah. and you're sitting there watching like some guy on stage in front of thousands of people doesn't feel i mean it's still a good show like you can you can enjoy it but you don't feel like you're there no but i watched um i've seen a couple people do them like sarah silverman had one she did at largo and and uh i didn't watch too much of it but i was like wow that feels good like that she's all in tight like that it feels good like to watch a show where you're you know you're kind of like right there so I decided to do it. I, I think it's good. I had this discussion to be a name dropper with Tosh and with Seinfeld. And both of them think theaters are better. And I just disagree. And even for Tosh's act, I think he's better in a club. And mm. Seinfeld said, oh, why can't I just sit on my hands? I mean, why can't people sit on their hands and listen to me for an hour and a half? Who are these people? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I said, because I'd rather people be drinking. I'd rather them be a little distracted and having fun right. than focus like it's theater. Yeah, there's definitely a difference in the kind of show that you can do too. Like you can't like bang, 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 hammer them in a theater because the laughter. No, you got to wait for it to roll up. Yeah, fucks over the punchlines. I I went to see Louis Black. Me and Joey, uh, we were uh, staying at this uh, place in Jersey, and we were doing the theater the next day. He was doing it on Thursday. We were doing it on Friday. Right. And we went in to watch, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like when a guy's on stage, um, doing like telling jokes, when people start laughing, you don't hear anything else he says until that laughter stops yeah and i never realized that because obviously you're on stage you have the microphone you have the monitors broadcast in your yeah. face so you hear yourself very loud and clear but the audience they don't hear you very good when people are laughing it's real weird well, so, over for sure and, mm. and we would be it's madison square garden places like that and you really had to wait for the wave to come by because otherwise you're right you're talking over yourself you're talking over the laugh yeah, you talk over the laugh and you kill all the taglines. Anything after the punchline, yeah. which, you know, but some of those taglines, like, they have to be done very quickly on in a comedy club right. for it to work. So there's a totally different kind of timing in a theater that, like, a joke won't work as well in some ways. Because, like, sometimes you say something, then you say something else. You say something, you say something else. Like, those, like, everybody's laughing at the first thing, then the second thing, like, in a theater you have to say it, say it. You know, there's a, there's a big pause, and that timing, it gets funky. It fucks no, it's you. totally different, yeah. I'd much rather do a club. Yeah, it's the best. It's just you, you can't make as much money, and that's the difference. But there's something to, like, some clubs or some theaters, like uh, like Massey Hall we were talking about yeah. in Toronto. Massey Hall's fucking phenomenal. Even though it's 3,000-plus people, it's still phenomenal. It's, like, it's the right size for some reason. I was there one night. We had the, Jason Alexander asked people to do an improv at the end of the show. We had to follow Robert Schimmel talking about cancer and killing. He was fucking killing. I said to Jason, I said, Schimmel's killing talking about cancer. What the fuck are we going to do? Fly around the room? (laughs) Yeah, he had a whole series. Like after he almost died, I I saw him uh, in Tempe and he, he had all this material about 
almost dying. You know, about like he would bring How up. Brilliant, you have to be to make that funny. He's honest as fuck, man. That guy was honest as fuck. He was such a sweet guy too. Yeah, I ran into him uh, after all the cancer stuff. You know, he he had survived it, and he's really skinny. I ran into him at um, uh, Barnes and Noble, man, just randomly, and he's so warm, so friendly. That really fucking bummed me out. That bummed me out. The Robin Williams thing really bummed me out recently. Yeah. And Richard Jenny really bummed me out. Those are those are the big three. I didn't see it coming with Robin at all. I mean, I, he was supposed to do my podcast uh, now, and I was going to call him. It's so weird how life like works. Today? Uh, yeah, well, around this week, because Whoa. what happened was I didn't call him because I knew he was upset about the series not getting picked up and he had he had to go back home his kids were going to school or whatever something was going on in his life i said let me leave him alone i'll call him next week there was no next week fuck yeah and i I had to go on cnn and i fucking hated it because it just you just find out a buddy of yours dies and they want to talk about suicide and how he did it and brain chemistry i said look i i'm i'm sad right now i don't want to really want to go into this uh chemical bullshit and theory about why you know can we give him a moment yeah, Dana Gould wrote a piece for, I think it was for Rolling Stone, that uh, I also uh, tweeted yesterday. Let me find it here, but it's a pretty detailed piece about um, why so many comedians are depressed. And I thought, brains behaving badly. Yeah, it's for Rolling Stone. And Dana, who's not just a funny, really funny comic, I've, I've known him forever, but very bright guy. He's very brilliant. Yeah. Very, very insightful and uh, he wrote this uh, interesting thing after the whole Robin Williams thing, you know. He said something so funny to me. Uh, we were at the uh, Laugh Factory. I did this bit about a mother and daughter exchange club, lesbians taking care of younger girls sexually, right, and vice versa. And, uh, and there were two lesbians there. I said, yeah, did you ever see it? One of the women went, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I said, it's hot, ain't it? It's, something perver- it's perverted. It's hot. And so, and I, I, I say something about to Dana, you know, being married. And I get down and I sit down with him. He goes, Dom, he goes, I've been married 12 years. Of course I've fucking seen it. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dana's a funny guy, man. The, the thing about the Robin and also about Rich Jenny that I, uh, it's not in my wheelhouse, is the depression thing. Both those guys suffered from pretty severe depression. And. The more people we talked to, we had Cara Santa Maria on last week, who's a friend of ours, who's very, very smart, very brilliant woman, and also a neuroscientist. So, you know, she's not talking out of her ass when she explains what's going on in the human brain. It's just a fucking disease, man. It's a disease. And anybody that doesn't have it, that talks out of their ass, you know, like fucking what's his face? Henry Rollins said that it was like weak that he killed himself because he had oh, kids. Oh, boy, it's not that. These people, you know, I, I I see that they want to take a stand because they find it offensive that people people would be in their eyes what they would consider so selfish that they committed suicide. But I think in talking to people that have had it, I think it's pretty safe to assume they're telling you the truth that they can't do it. They can't keep going. Like these motherfuckers, when, when they don't get help, when they don't get some sort of a chemical help or you know whatever whatever needs to be done whether it's some sort of a mental imbalance whether it can be mitigated with exercise or diet but whatever that state they're in when they hit the bottom this they can't go on man it's i don't i don't understand it i don't have it i don't get depressed i get it i get it do you in the morning yeah uh, then I kind of uh, work my way out of it. Uh, Do you jerk your way out of it? I jerk my way out of it. I, jerk, <laughs> I, sp- I, I stain little things in my house. You wake in spank? Like, 
Come here, come here, kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You hit a bell. Ding. But with Jenny, you could see something coming. Jenny, like, he was like, Rich was always very neat. Mm-hmm. He was all disheveled last time I saw him. Oh. And Eleanor said she saw him at a, a like a, a supermarket. He was knocking over things in the shelves. He was like, oh, so f- the, the drugs were fucking him up. What well, drugs was he on? Some antipsychotic drugs, and he was supposed to change the prescription that week. You know, he, I don't know which stories are true. But Robin, the, di- the big difference was there was no indication. Well, you know? apparently not. Um, but Mark Gordon who's uh, this guy, this doctor that I've had on the podcast before, sent me this piece that he's working on on the high instances of uh, suicide in relationship to uh, operations mm-hmm. and that people need that's, to... Yeah, yeah that's people, what Overton said. Mm-hmm. He's saying that they need to accept that there's an issue going on with people's hormonal balances that uh, get thrown out of whack by a pretty severe operation like heart surgery. Yeah. And uh, he cited the instances of uh, hypothyroidism that can be caused by it, and then uh, the pituitary gland function, uh, especially being under for a long time. When they mm-hmm. do like those, uh, like what Joan Rivers just had done, they put her under for a long time, and now she's still in like critical uh, care. She's uh, in a coma. I think. Yeah, 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 she's fucked. Apparently, when you um, when you uh, get put under for like long periods of time, and they do something like open heart surgery, mm-hmm. which they did with Robin. It can be really tricky. Like when you come out of it, like it's like some serious, pretty severe depression occurs in a lot of people. So if he didn't, if people didn't see it coming before, you got that factor. You also have the uh, drug factor that he he recently checked himself back into right. rehab again. He said there was no reason to. He was just like reaffirming his commitment to sobriety. But that sounds like some PR right. people's idea of what to say for me. Yeah, don't tell him. Don't yeah. tell him you're really fucked up again. Yeah, I mean he didn't get. He didn't get caught drunk driving or anything like that. Whatever it is, he decided to check himself in again. And so there's all those things. And, you know, he also had uh, a lot of debt. You know, he owed a lot of money. I heard that, yeah. But he was very wealthy still. I talked to his agent, who's a friend of mine, and uh, she was saying, don't let all these people tell you that he... um, he owed more money than he had. He had plenty of money. He just has this like $30 million house right. in uh, Napa. He's, he's had, like a 600-acre estate. Like he has some crazy fucking park, essentially, oh, in he? Napa. And it's, you know, $30 million. Oh. So, But she said he's still he was still rich when he died, and you can't say it was that. It was, um, you know, when someone owes money, like they have a mortgage, it's not, you, it's not like you can't pay that money. It's just more strategic like as far as like how much interest you can earn on your money, it's smarter mm-hmm. in a lot of cases to like keep paying it off, like a- as a mortgage, than it is just spend you know what whatever he owed on it. Like it was twenty million bucks or something like that. Take the twenty million dollars out of his money. But she's like, he could have done that if he wanted to. So it wasn't like he wasn't broke at all. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people thought that had that had an issue too. Just the fact that he's failed relationships is depressing, and you know. Yeah, I knew his first wife very well, but you know the thing about him. When I when he won the Academy Award, I'll never forget it because it was like when Jamie Foxx won. I go, wow, we beat the grownups. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like because like nobody ever takes. I mean, they were both serious parts, but nobody ever takes comedians seriously for Academy Awards. And Mike Myers in Austin Powers to me it was Academy Award winning performance. <laughs> I, I really believe that at that level because it was as funny to me as anything. But anyway, Robin was so fucking talented. Think about that. He's a very talented actor, man. That movie, uh, One Hour Photo, did you ever see that? Oh, that's one yeah, of my favorite yeah. movies. Creepy fucking that's, movie, man. How many people saw that one? 
Yeah, it was an, um, in, it was more of an independent. That was one of the things that he was talking about why he wound up doing that television show was because it was an independent uh, film situation where he was like constantly getting these offers to do these films, and they barely even had funding. And if they pay, right. they paid scale. And they were inter- it was interesting jobs, but he was like the the big movies had kind of dried up for him for whatever yeah. reason. Like sometimes guys will those movie star guys will go in these peaks and valleys. Oh, definitely. Like Kevin Costner. He started to do movies recently, but remember after Waterworld? Yeah. It was like a long fucking time before anybody yeah. put that guy in a big movie again. Did you well, s- actually see Robin's new show? Uh, unfortunately, I watched a few episodes of it, and it, it, I understand why I think it didn't work. It just seemed very, very cheesy. And maybe that might have been one of Robin's things, that because he was still playing a character that never really progressed in a way like no. it, I'm still it, catching up on Seinfeld I, I never saw what do you mean by a character that never really progressed because it, he, you know if you ever see Robin Williams like on the Tonight Show or any of those shows he he always ha- does the same act where it's very frenetic y- yeah very crazy and very very like you almost can guess what he's about to do next you know and it, it to me it was I loved it but I also thought that when it was converted into a show it was, predictable. It was just too much it was yeah. just like alright this is so unrealistic but he used weird. to do that when he was on Mork and Mindy right. yeah that's what I'm saying though it's kind of like well the difference is he's 60 now yeah that was you know, 30 years ago you can't yeah. be a 30 you could be a 30 year old guy and be like a fucking crazy crazer ha, I'm from another planet <laughs> but when you're 60 you know, it's kind of like Jim Carrey doesn't do Jim Carrey in as much anymore. Like, like Ace Ventura, yeah, type shit. yeah. Like if he was still doing Ace Ventura, then you know, then you made it a sitcom with a laugh track. And it's like, oh, yeah, know. like <laughs> Man on the Moon when he did. Uh, is that was it called? The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When he did yeah. the Andy Kaufman, Andy movie. Kaufman, yeah, yeah. Like that was a great performance. That was yeah. an Oscar worthy performance. I mean, he really nailed. Andy Kaufman. It was really he really was Andy Kaufman. Yeah, it was amazing. Role. He did a great job, but like when he does the Ace Ventura stuff, you can't really do that when you're 50 years old or whatever he is. He's probably like 50, right? Right. You can't really do that. You can't Nobody do wants it. to you see you get like, out of breath. Pratt Falls. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, didn't Chevy Chase like fuck himself up from Pratt Falls? Yeah, I had heard that he has when all he used to do Gerald like, Ford. He used to do Gerald Ford falling all the time. Uh-huh. The, he was the president at the time. Because, again, Chevy Chase was only on for, I think, one year. Really? I, and, he, and he became that famous over that, that one year. Well, he was the first Land breakout Shark. star. Yeah. From, from Saturday Night Live, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. But apparently, um, all those pratfalls really uh, fucked yeah, yeah. him up. Yeah, I've heard that. I heard that about the Three Stooges, too. That those guys were, like, punchy towards the end of their career because they were smacking each other so much. You know, uh, getting hit with shit. Dunk. What's a what's a guy's name from uh, Jackass? Uh, Steve-O. No, not Steve-O. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny. You know, he, I, I, saw him, I see him at the gym sometime, right? We were talking. I said, it's really cool. You know, you guys are trained in, in stuntmen stuff. He goes, we don't know a fucking thing. He says, we're just a bunch of assholes. <laughs> I, I, I started I didn't know that. I thought they knew what they were doing. They're fucking crazy. Yeah, that's not a smart thing to do, what they're doing. Alligators they, biting your balls? No. <laughs> <laughs> they got lucky. They got lucky that no one ever died doing that show. Oh, yeah. But then they're that one guy died. They're still doing it, though. They're getting lucky still. They're doing it still? Yeah. Like, they're still filming stuff together and doing, like, I think they might even be doing another Jackass. <laughs> what happened with Steve-O when he painted that sign near SeaWorld? SeaWorld sucks. He climbed up, fell a bunch of times if you want to watch it online. I mean, I don't know if he fell on purpose. He's just just being a silly goose the way he climbs a sign. He climbs a sign. It falls from, like, fucking 30 feet up. and lands on the ground and somehow him, survives. Did you ever see him do, do stand-up? No. 
It's bizarre. It, yeah. Well, he does like tell stories, right? Yeah, I mean, he also like t- he does some physical stuff. He tries to fall and stuff. That's what I saw with the Laugh Factory. I don't know if that's part of his real act, but hmm. some of it involves fire, depending on the comedy club, you know, and, and the fire, <laughs> fi- fire <laughs> licenses. He fire. does a lot of different acts. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he d- grew up uh, Ringling Brothers Barney. He graduated from their college, so he used to be in the circus. So a lot oh, okay. of his shit's like so. He was reset. Some you imagine summer. if you have a fucking business, you worked real hard to put together a comedy club, you hire a wait staff, you get everything up and running, and Steve O comes to town he asks you if he could do fire on stage <laughs> and you see your life falling apart for one fucking thursday in november right. and you're like no no fire dude no fire and then he's got the fire anyway like i wrote it i wrote it let me do the fire bit <laughs> yeah one day that's not gonna work one day something's gonna go bad when you're doing fucking getting hit by bulls and get launched into the air with a blindfold on you see that this was after johnny knoxville was a movie star he was already in movies with The Rock. Remember? He did that movie with yeah. The Rock. After that, puts a blindfold on, lets a bull, fucking bull launch him into the air. Unbelievable. And flips, like head over heel. It could easily land on his neck. These guys expend so much energy. They're, they're very mild when you talk to them. They're very low-key. Jim Carrey's like that. Jim Carrey's like, you know, he's the wacky guy. And then he's a, you ever talk to him? It's just so like mellow and down there. That's what like Steve Martin. He's almost shy and he doesn't well, yeah. really like to even talk to people, right? He was such yeah. A, he was such a dick to me. Uh, I was doing uh, Steve Martin was. Yeah, he's, I mean, you know, I was doing this thing for Comedy Central where uh, before the awards shows, uh, it would interview people. Everybody was nice. Jerry Lewis, Gary Shandling, all these guys. Steve Martin just we asked him if we could interview. He said yeah, and then he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He was giving me one word answers and just real smug. I'm thinking. Your fucking career was predicated by putting an arrow through your head. Don't don't act so slick with me. Why is he acting slick with me? I don't know. He's just grumpy. But I mean, don't do the interview if you're going to be like that. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. I I I think he was brilliant. Oh, when when he was a comic. I mean, the the let's get small. All that stuff. Very brilliant. Yeah. I think what happened to him though is overload. Like, if you talk to him, like, if you listen to him rather talk about it, he talks about how it got to a point where he can go on stage and anything he did, people laugh. So he couldn't figure out what was funny anymore. They were just so happy to see him. And he was like, this is crazy. So he just pulled out. Pulled out of comedy. Stopped doing stand-up. Isn't that weird? Crazy. You couldn't do that, could you? I don't know. I mean, I guess I could. Really? I I can't imagine you not doing stand-up. I could. I wouldn't want to. But I could. Yeah, I could. You know what? I, there's a lot of things I want to do, man. I like doing stuff. You know, like I'm writing a lot now, um, especially I'm writing a lot of stand-up because I'm getting ready to do like a whole new hour. I got to put together a whole new hour. So I'm, it's really exciting. But I'm also, I just started writing a book too. I'm writing a script. I wrote this, not a script, uh, uh, another book, uh, like a horror book, a, a, a monster movie book. So I've, I'm like, I got a bunch of shit I like to do. So if yeah. someone said, you can't do stand-up anymore. I'd be like, man, I'm gonna miss stand up, but I got to do all this other shit. Like, See, I don't have that. Yeah, I like. I don't have that distraction. I'm, I I'm keep like a savant. Busy. See, I, for me, if I do only one thing, I, it doesn't. It doesn't sit well for me. Well, you have a career nobody else has. I mean, with the uh, the the fights and everything, just the way your career, where you're acting, you you know. I mean, there are people that watch Fear Factor that didn't know you were stand up. Yeah, you know? well, I did a lot of things that didn't make any sense. You know, they don't go together. Like being a stand-up and being a cage-fighting commentator, they don't really go together that good. You're fucking great at that, man. It's fun. Well, you love it, and you you that, know about it, and you break it down for people. 
You know, I mean, I, I, don't, you, I know you don't watch football, but I watch uh, a lot of football. And there's a guy, John Gruden. Do you watch football? Mm. Uh, he's talk, well, he talks about bubble screens and all this shit. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. You mm-hmm. break it down so that a common person could understand what's going on. Well, there's a thing that sportscasters like to do to let you know that they're in the know. They use obscure lingo yeah. and jargon, and they do it on purpose. Right. Like, I've heard guys do it with MMA. They're like, yeah, he's going to hit him with a 2-3-5 combo. Like, what exactly. the fuck is that? Yeah, I don't right. even know what that is. Everybody's is different, by the way. Uh-huh. You can't say that because there's your standard 2-3 a two is a right hand, a three is a hook. So it's jab is a one, two is a right hand, three is a hook. But different camps do different shit. Like some camps have, they'll like hit them with the, the Aldo. They'll come up with names for combinations. Right. They'll come up with names for certain techniques. Like a, a shovel hook is the razor ruddock. The razor ruddock, you know, and they'll, they'll have different numbers. Like instead of one, two, three, they'll do it backwards. You know, they'll have like a 10 strike combination from like, 10 being the head kick, 9 being the knee to the body, 7 being the elbow to the head. You know, they'll have like a bunch yeah. of them. So they'll they'll have their own system like so that no one knows what the fuck. Like if, if you're in the someone's corner uh, and you're yelling out, hit him with the 2, hit him with the 2, the guy's going to look out for the right hand. But if 2 is a, a roundhouse kick instead or a wheel kick or something else, you know, no one they won't know. So, like, everybody mixes things up. So when someone's, you know, I think the 2-3 is going to be big for him in this fight, like, fuck you. What are you doing? You're just right. letting everybody know you're inside. That's yeah. all you're doing. You're just, you're, you're giving them nonsense sports guy talk. And you can't do that with fighting. You know, there's a lot of sports guy talk. They like to insult, like, athletes. They like to insult players. You know, there's, like, a certain amount of that. But they don't tolerate, people don't tolerate that in MMA. It's a totally different kind of sport. The people that have been, like, really insulting about athletes, really insulting about, like, you know, like calling them losers or fat or whatever, those people all get ostracized. They all get pushed out because there's such a tremendous, like, the emotional burden of fighting. It's respected more. The, like, there's going to be people that mock people when they lose, but a lot of those people are fucking teenagers or little kids. People don't know about life. But as far as, like, journalists, the, the, the vast majority of ones that are, like, super negative journalists, they get ostracized, which I think is a good thing. I'll tell you what, the time that you invited us in Montreal to that, uh, was that French-Canadian guy? George St. Pierre. That yeah. was one of the most exciting moments I've ever <laughs> felt in my life, a, a, a positive energy. Yeah, it's it fucking wild. incredible. That was wild. Yeah. They're always wild. And thank God he won. Yeah. I can't imagine if he had lost. But and plus, the, the crowd was so much classier, because I've gone to like professional wrestling years ago, and, I, and they all look like, they were all cross-eyed, <laughs> and they all look, you know, <laughs> skate on his face. Don't say that to Tony Hinchcliffe. He'll Hit, get fucking angry. Really? <laughs> Hit him with the point. T- Tony Hinchcliffe was reading a book the other day, a fucking pro wrestling book on the insides of the business. He subscribes to the channel and just sits there and watches every single WrestleMania over and over again. <sighs> he was trying to explain to to me how they write these story arcs and about he was right though that Brock Lesnar was going to beat John Cena like he told me how it was going to well, happen you knew that was going to happen yeah, but I don't they... know anything <laughs> I don't know anything man of course he's going but to. they admit that it's a show <laughs> well they had to they had to uh for a bunch of reasons I think they had to for like tax purposes like that it's entertainment it's oh. not sports you know, it probably cost them money. Right, right. And I think they had to also because otherwise they could be accused of fixing contests. So they think they had to change it from being a sport to being entertainment. People didn't give a fuck, though. No, they didn't, don't care. Didn't stop the ratings at all. I think it's funny when the punch <laughs> lands like a foot away from the guy's face. The guy goes flying. Oh, oh. 
Yeah. Well, they beat the fuck out of each other for real, too, though. They do hit each other. Oh, well, they, they're they good athletes. I mean, just oh, flip it no in the doubt. air and land it on your back. I had to hit Kevin James with a punch on uh, on his show. On King Queens? Yeah, and, and I was so upset because my left hand is so much better than my right. <laughs> but So I threw this kind of half a fag punch <laughs> with my right hand, and he goes flying down. And Why'd I, you have to throw a right? Because they didn't accept because the, the way the camera, southpaw? Yeah, they wouldn't. They, they, the camera thing, whatever it was. Sons of bitches. I know. That's ridiculous. You should have stood your ground. You'd say, look, I'm a lefty. I wasn't in a position to. Joe was a guest star. Was it wasn't exactly an executive Tell producer. Tell the director to fucking Fuck them. switch it around. Maybe we can go back and change it. We should go back and post. Film it upside down. Brian knows Photoshop. Yeah. Switch that shit around. He's a clever little <laughs> son of a bitch, isn't he? So when you threw the punch, when you threw the punch, how far away from him were you? At that far, and it looked like I hit him. Really? And he he went down, and he comes up with all ketchup in his mouth. And I accidentally pretty- hit a guy in a scene, and uh, we we're doing that hardball show. I threw a punch, and they they threw like a, a beer, I think it was in my face or, or fake beer, and uh, and I was supposed to hit him afterwards, but because like the fake beer hit my face, I was like temporarily blinded, and I tried to like do it like in front of his face or to the side of his face and i accidentally like nicked him and i felt so bad oh. i didn't hurt him but it was just like what an idiot you know of all people i used to do demonstrations pulling punches on right. people's face and i accidentally hit this guy do you have vhs copies of this show and can i transfer it online i probably have a couple you because I, I there's no there's the only thing i've ever been able to find is like one or two screenshots yeah sony took it to where um they drop all that nuclear waste in nevada they opened up some canisters and they dropped all the master tapes in the nuclear waste so With that ET. no one would ever see it, it wasn't sony disney disney took it fox that was the first gig you had wasn't it? yeah yeah first gig you had yeah if it wasn't for that i nothing else uh, like i would have never gotten news radio would have never gotten any of those things because I, I got news radio because I was still out here. And the reason why I was out here is for that hardball show. I've, if I if it wasn't for me signing a lease, because I wasn't going to sign a lease, like I was just going to rent at the Oakwoods. Yeah. You know, the Oakwoods uh, is a thing that everybody does in L.A. After you get when you're getting separated from your wife. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, it's um everybody does in L.A. when you move to town because they'll sell they'll rent you a furnished place. Like it already has a TV, yeah. it has cable already, it has a bed. And you can kind of, it's almost like a, like, you move into an apartment that somebody else's shit is there. Yeah. It's not bad. Like, no. you know, they had paintings on the walls and like, it, it feels like an apartment. That's what I got when I first was here, but it was like, it was too depressing. There was too many weird people. There was like a lot of weirdness. There's yeah. like discombobulated souls wandering around there. And I, I just, I didn't enjoy the energy. And so, uh, like any idiot who's 25 years old is convinced this television show is going to go. I'm like, this fucking show's going to go. <laughs> I got a lease on an apartment. You know, I, I rented an apartment like a fucking moron and uh, I signed the lease and uh, I bought a TV and set it up. I didn't even have a couch. I was watching TV on the ground and um, then the fucking show got canceled. I'm like, shit, I'm stuck out here. I was totally ready to go back to New York. Can you, you imagine if that would have happened? What Your life would be totally different. He'd have been doing Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I would have been a dancer. <laughs> I would have been a dancer. Natalie needs a nighty. I just would have concentrated on stand-up. I mean, I'd already done stand-up TV. I'd already, I'd already done Caroline's Comedy Hour. I'd already done MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. I was already headlining nationally, so I was already making money as a comic. It was like just when it was starting to work for me. So I probably would have just concentrated more on stand-up. But, yeah, it definitely would have been different. I never would have been on something like news radio, that's for sure. Or I, you're working Dunkin' Donuts in Tower 7. Who knows? I wasn't working in Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> when I was 19. I remember bringing you up to Montreal on the, at Club Soda. 
Yeah, that was before I was on anything. That was a long time and ago. You were a completely different kind of comedian. <laughs> you were. I mean, you were you were always good, but you were different. You didn't have you didn't uh, invest the energy that I remember that you do late, later on with the new rules. Well, you I know. wasn't. I just wasn't that good. You know, I mean, you were pretty good. You were, I was okay. I, I just didn't know how to be the best version of me. Right. Right. You know what I mean? But but I didn't have any insight either. That's the other thing. I was 24, 25 when we met, you know, when we first did Montreal. Yeah. Like, was it like 92 or something like that? I don't know. I something can't. like that? Somewhere around then, but I didn't, you know, I was an idiot. Of <laughs> 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 just me being on stage. It's just like a j- ridiculous proposition. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he allowed to talk? You know, so, uh, you know what I mean? Well, I don't, I think you're being tough with yourself. You were, you were pretty good. You just weren't. I mean, now you're just so confident. The energy's all there, you know. It's like, I mean, I don't know if people get too comfortable, but you you can see it. You know how you have like a, a minute on, or like a half a minute on stage where there's just you're just like thinking or something. Mm-hmm. You were comfortable with that now. You you weren't comfortable with that then, and neither was I. Right. You know? What you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those, yeah, the pauses and just being in your own skin, yeah. like, and the audience can sense when you're not comfortable. It makes them uncomfortable, and then the whole thing goes wacky. Yeah. Plus, back then, like. If anything went wrong, the fucking show was over. <laughs> like, right. I never, I never pulled myself out of a downward spiral ever. <laughs> like I would do great, great, great. <laughs> like once it started going down, the ship was gonna hit the rocks. There was no getting out of that. Just save yourself. Well, see, I had the improv in those clubs in New York. Where did you develop? Um, well, mostly Boston up until I guess it was ni- right around the time I met you. I was moving to New York. It was ninety two ish. Somewhere uh-huh. around there. I lived in New York from 92 to 94. And in 94, I was already going back and forth to L.A. But um, nine, all that, like, 88 to 90-ish, maybe, I guess it was 90, 91, all that was in Boston. And it was a lot of it was uh, working all these uh, outside bar gigs, the bar gigs and clubs. Yeah, do you remember when it clicked in for you? Honestly, as a professional, I don't think it wasn't until I was, like, 10 years in. Yeah. You know, when I did my first uh, comedy CD, which is uh, I'm Going to Be Dead Someday, I did it at the Houston Laugh Stop. I did that in 99. That was when I was I felt comfortable enough with what I had to put it on a CD. And yeah, I listened to it today, I cringe. But I felt comfortable enough after 10 years in, like, I think I can release something. You know, so that's, uh, that was when I, but I still, I, I feel I'm better now than I was two years ago. I know I am. I'm, yeah. I work at it more. I work at it more. I'm more excited by it. Like, I wasn't that happy with my last special. I was when I put it out. And then when I started going over it, I was like, I could have done this better. I was too, doing too many different things, you know. But this one, I did stand-up, like, every night. I did stand-up, like, Sundays. I did Tuesdays. I took, like, Mondays off. But almost every week, I was doing Tuesday at the Ha Ha, Wednesday at the Improv. It I was does doing, help, man. Fuck Getting yeah, it does. You know, fuck yeah, it does. I, I look like I look at my act now, the body of my work, if I may, mm. and I, I think, who the fuck wrote this? Yeah. Because yeah. how did I get this much shit? Because right, like if I had to write for sometimes, I think, like you know, I do it. People say, do they? Do you write a lot? I go, yeah, I write every day. The problem is not not it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. You know? Other than that, I'm, I'm prolific. Well, that's the difference between a guy like you and someone who is not disciplined like some people they sit down and they write and it's not good and they just go uh fuck it and they stop writing and they'll take days off and they won't write but you gotta show up if you show up the stuff shows up it's really that simple 
You know, I had a guy on the podcast yesterday. His name's Sam Harris. He's a, a brilliant guy, neurosurgeon or neuroscientist rather, and uh, knows a lot about the human mind. And he was arguing, um, not arguing, but explaining the idea of determinism that uh, there is no real free will, and that everything you do is a combination of your genes, your life experiences, oh. the environment that you're in. All these. Different, it was really, really interesting argument. Not you argument. There's no free say. will. Yeah, you're saying there's no free will. Um. I, I see what he's saying. I, I see what he's saying. That he's saying that the reason why you act the way you act is essentially based on all these factors that you have no control over, like your genes, your life experiences, all these different things. But as a comic, um, I, mean, I don't know what, I, mean, I guess it's all those things that are leading me to invest more energy into it right now. But like whatever it is, you know, I don't free will, whatever the fuck it is. That's causing me to be excited about it now. I'm, I'm as excited, if not more excited, by stand up right now than I ever have been ever. I could see that. I could so see much it. more. When fun. you get on stage and you're already like in a good mood because you're on stage. I think I'm appreciating how awesome a gig it is too. Oh, I love it. Reappreciating. Like I never lost appreciation yeah. for it, but I, you know, I compare it to other things. Well, you know, the thing is for me, it's crossing generations. I appreciate that so much, mm -hmm. and. uh like, I mean, you know, of course, shows like yours help a lot, but it's amazing to me. I was in Montreal. True story. Stop me if you heard this. Oh! Oh, ah, oh. I was in Montreal, and this girl and her mother, you know, could see that they were related, come up to me, and- uh, They both wanted to fuck. They wanted to suck my fucking hairy <laughs> sausage. <laughs> oh, She goes, easy. the kid was nervous, you know? And she said, are you Dom Herrera? I go, yeah. And uh, she goes, can we, can we get a picture? I said, of course. And so the mother walks away to get a camera and the father. I said to her, how old are you? She goes, 12. I go, 12? This is because of the internet. You know? wow. I said, you, and you know me? She goes, I said, how old? she goes, listen, man. She called me dude. She goes, listen, dude. I've been, <laughs> I've been a fan of yours since I was seven. I said, seven? I, don't, I didn't know I had any single-digit fans. Wow. You know? Isn't that incredible? That's wild. A 12-year-old has been a fan since they were seven. She says, uh, funny's funny, and I said, I, you know, we're so different. It's different generations, different worlds. And she said, I said, well, I can't believe your parents will let you watch a pig like me. <laughs> she goes, well, you know, the internet, you can watch anything. Dom in six years is going to be fucking her. That's where it gets dark. I look forward to that show. You will, too. I know you, you son I, of a bitch. I need two years to get hard now. <laughs> I'm glad you gave me these six years heads up. Just save up the load. Oh, boy. Don't have any of those three-quarter erection ejaculation oh, moments. Oh, no, that's sad. <laughs> a limp dick. Well, you're jerking off with a limp dick, and you come anyway, and you're like, why are, oh, no. Why are those words the funniest words? Still? Limp like, dick. Limp dick, jizz. I jizzed all over the fuck. Limp dick is always funny. Limp dick is funny. It's, it's embarrassing. Funny. It's, it's inherently embarrassing. I, I wouldn't know. Never? No, I'm hard now. Whoa! Yeah, just, hey, you're like Liberace. <laughs> Liberace had one of his balls was a pump. It was like, <laughs> Air Max. I'm not kidding. No, I'm really? not kidding. Yeah, he had a pump. They, there's a thing that guys do when they get a erectile dysfunction that uh, they used to do. I should That's say. That's the thing Stallone had. They just talk about. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I heard it. Stallone liked the lie in the glass while girls shit on him. Oh, I thought that was. That's Danny. what I had heard. Danny was, Thomas? Yeah. It was, was him too. I wasn't going to say it. They did it together. They jerked each other off while they watched it. But that's not really shit. It's fair. It's not shit. It's shitting on a table. It was you biological. To be under it. You know, you're watching it expand. and you're watching. Cool. 
Yeah, it's like what you pl- when a little kid plays with Play-Doh and they have the factory and they r- wind it up and it comes out. That's what it's like. Yeah, well, you were the one that told me about that a long time ago when, the, when we first started looking up shit on the internet about some Japanese guys getting shit on or Well, something. there's a lot of videos of people that would like shit in each other's mouths and stuff and you can't believe it's real, but when you watch it, there's some fake ones like Two Girls, One Cup. They like put ice cream up their ass or whatever the fuck they put up there that wasn't exactly shit. <laughs> I hate apparently that. Apparently, you can get some severe diabetes from that. Yeah. Get all that sugar up your butthole. But I don't think they're concerned about those girls. No, I don't think videos. that would be their first worry. There's plenty of videos, though, of people eating shit. It's, it's apparently, it's a genre. You know, some folks enjoy watching it. I've had it in my mouth once. Don't really? Recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh! Because he's thinking about asking. He's like, I shouldn't. <laughs> let me need, let me. Cur- oh no, no need, no need. <laughs> Who to was go it? Down Did the- you know her? Oh yeah, you knew yeah. her very well. He was sleeping in the same bed as her. Did you do a bit on that? It was outside. Yeah. Oh okay. And then I thought I heard it before. Yeah. It's, it's a true story, Dominic. True story. It's not a happy story, <laughs> but it is a true story. <laughs> Gets dark out there. That's interesting. That f- that's a weird fetish. That like wasn't the- his idea, though. Yeah, well, I didn't that was do it just an purpose. accident. She was well, an accident, right? Some people, they're shitting in each other's mouth. Like, they go, okay, let's meet here at 2 o'clock, and I'm going to shit in your mouth. Yes. How do you get there. to that point? How do you, <laughs> you, you look, you've done every perver- perversion there is, so you get to that point. Well, yeah. that's why what Sam Harris says is so fascinating. Because yeah. if determinism is true, that means that you're not even responsible for letting someone shit in your mouth. It's like all these variables have played a part in your being who you are at this moment, lying there on this stainless steel table while this Japanese guy hovers over your face. Japanese guy? Yeah, he pulls his, he pulls his, his <laughs> sack up so his balls don't get shit on. And, and dumps one right down your fucking mouth. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know a lot of things, though. I don't understand the Grateful Dead. You know? Why they're such a phenomenon? I don't get why anybody listens to that and likes it. I don't get it. I understand that you like it, but I'm just being honest. No, I don't like Not it. Not you, but anybody oh. who's oh. listening to this. Like, I get that song Truckin'. I get a touch of gray. I've 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 heard a bunch of it are pretty good. But to be a deadhead is yeah, something seems special. A little over the top. My cousin traveled around the country with him. I used to. You used to travel the country. I mean, I went to three shows, but he died right when I got into him. Garcia. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Fuck this guy. I'm just gonna kill myself." Right. You know what? You know what it was also about though. <laughs> what, what a lot of people forget uh, is that it was also people that you knew that also liked to smoke marijuana when it was really, really illegal. So mm. it was like this group thing of like, "Hey, we all like to do psychedelics and mushrooms and smoke weed," and that's yeah. that was a lot of it. Also. Yeah. Well, there's also a thing that happens when you're on a drug. When you listen to something where it just sounds totally different than if you're not on that drug that's a that's a reality that i experienced recently with um what's called an ikaro an ikaro is this thing that uh they play when there's um ayahuasca ceremonies are going on and if you uh you take dmt and you listen to this ikaro you see these things like play out in front of you tony's going to talk about it tomorrow tony and i will talk about it tomorrow because we did it together you in did? Texas, in Texas, oh, cool. with these Icaros. But it's this crazy fucking sound that's uh, that's playing that is like, it's it's really wild because the sound somehow or another affects the music or the, the images you see, rather. This is it. Mm. 
This is all these shamans in the Amazon, and they play this. And while you're on DMT and you do this, the images and these like elves in this hallucination or whatever you want to call it, they dance to this music, and it's fucking crazy, man. It makes the whole thing. It makes the whole thing even more bizarre. But the, what's weird is that these songs were actually designed to be used that way. They were all made by these trippers in the Amazon, and they're all using like rattles and shit, and they're whistling. Like, listen to this. Sounds like really simple music, right? If you listen to that, I'm like, dude, you need to download this. You'd be like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. I'm listening to some asshole whistle and slap his thigh. <laughs> but if you but if you listen to it when you're the, under the influence of DMT, it's amazing. It's like they dance to the music. It's really, really weird. With all psychedelics, though, music is very, very important with mm -hmm. mushrooms and everything. Because I've really changed a whole mushroom trip before just on the music I listen to, being like Pink Floyd or doing some kind of more like uh, drum type stuff. Uh, See, I think that would kill me. Yeah. Taking, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I think we could, if I took mushrooms or anything hallucinogenic, I'm so close to the fucking edge anyway that I need like tranquilizers. You're that close to the edge? Well, as far as Living I Living on the edge. <laughs> Aerosmith. Something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something wrong with us. This is another one. This is one of my favorites. I like that. It's kind of like the last thing you hear when walking down a dark alley about to get raped by some no, guy. No, I was thinking of an open wheat field. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really even think that. You just the, went the with that one, because no, you thought it would be an interesting thing to say. No, the first one I did because I was thinking of a guy whistling and, you know, like walking slowly down an alley. That's what Stroking his cock? <laughs> that would be terrible if a guy was raping you while doing this. <laughs> if you just your mind went there and you're getting raped by dragons and <coughs> patterns. Have you hallucinated? When right now? No, have you hallucinated? What do you mean? In like, real life or yeah. with drugs? With drugs? Yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because I, I mean I, I don't know if I'm really seeing elves. Maybe I'm really seeing elves, but, but I'm assuming that it's a hallucination. Well, you don't hallucinate on pot. No. Well, you can if you eat it. If you eat it and you close your eyes, you definitely hallucinate for sure. If you eat a large dose, like if you have like a cookie, like a strong cookie, and then you lay down and close your eyes, you see bizarre shit. That would scare the shit out of me. Oh, it should. It's, but that's uh, that's part of the whole thing is that it scares the shit out of you, and then when it's over, you feel better. I was asking Joey Diaz last night about, I said, do you ever go a day without eating pot? He goes, yeah, of course I do. I said, does it bother you? He goes, no, I smoke. <laughs> I tried it once in the 60s. It's overrated. <laughs> yeah, he um, he's taking it to another level. He definitely, uh, he does take, you know, he takes days off of uh, edibles. But yeah, that's ed what he said. Edibles can fuck with you, man. They can, they can give you panic attacks. I've been with Joey when he was getting like a panic attack. We were on a plane. Really? And he's eating these things called Chiba Chews. Let me tell you about Chiba Chews, Dom Herrera. I don't ever eat a whole Chiba Chew. I mean, ever. Ever. I saw Joey eat three of them. Three. Oh, my God. Three Chiba Chews. And you don't even eat one? If you ate three Chiba Chews and you listen to this and you close your eyes, you would see the most bizarre shit ever. 
dancing, fluorescent cartoon characters fucking and creating new cartoon characters that are separating and dividing like cells. You'd see your whole wow. childhood play out in a cartoon form, like a comic strip. You could see anything. You will hallucinate. Like, that's a massive, massive dose of THC. Did he, now, how did he walk from the plane to the car? He didn't. He sat in that plane for five hours while he flew across the country. <laughs> oh. And then when it landed, he goes, Joe Rogan, I almost had a fucking panic attack on that plane. Was he okay by the time he landed? Basically, yeah. He, he recovers quickly. THC, when you, well, marijuana when you eat it, produces a psychoactive chemical called 11-hydroxymetabolite, and it's about five times more psychoactive than THC. It's much more like mushrooms, much more like, um, right. much more like a psychedelic than marijuana. So marijuana just gets you high, but um, that 5-hydroxy will fucking kick your dick into the dirt. It's one of the reasons why when people eat cookies, they always say, oh, it was laced, man, it was laced. That wasn't laced. That's what happens. Right. When you eat a lot of it, especially, I had one of the most frightening moments of my life. I took, I took a marijuana pill, and I was talking to this guy that turned out to be a rapist. Turned out to eventually, he eventually went to jail for rape. He was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and uh, he, uh, he fled while he was on this, uh, under, you know, they were looking for him. So he fled and moved to uh, the Pacific Northwest, started doing jiu-jitsu again, even though they were looking for him. He couldn't stop doing jiu-jitsu because he liked to do it so much. And uh, I was at this uh, grappling event, and he had competed in this grappling event, and I... I t had taken this pill and I was way too high to be out in public. This was it was confusing. It was like really like whoa. It was one of the first times I was ever really really big. But he and this he and I were talking and when we were talking I was like, "Wow, there's a distinct like different thing going on with this guy." Like this guy has like uh there's a an ability to do things that this guy has like in his head like that might not necessarily be good things. Like, if you were with this guy in a street fight, he might, like, stomp somebody to death. You know what I mean? Like, you might see him do that. Like, like don't do it. Stop doing it. You know, like, he wouldn't. I don't, you know, there was, like, a, an edge that he had that he had crossed over. And, some, and I was feeling that when I was on, on the pills. And then, like, a couple months later, the guy goes to jail or gets indicted and, you know, and then flees and then winds up going to jail later when he's still doing jujitsu Because they had found him in some school. Well, because he was a really high-level black belt. There's not that many guys that are capable of tapping out other black belts. So when some guy comes into your school out of nowhere and he starts strangling your instructor, everybody's like, well, what the fuck is going on? Who's this guy? And you try to pretend he was some guy from Brazil. And everybody's like, but he's American. What the fuck's going on? He's in jail now? He's in jail now. Yeah. Wow. Mm. But it's those goddamn pills. I saw into his soul. I didn't like it, Dom. I don't even like hearing it. <laughs> I start thinking I'm going to get it over the air. But in the context of that story, is the song any better? Yeah. No, I like this. Oh, you don't like it? When you're high as fuck and you hear this, it's the greatest song of all time. That's why I downloaded it. I had to keep it. I wanted it to be a part of my life. Are they? What language? Are they singing anything or just making yeah. noises? No, there's... there's there's uh, there's words to it. I don't know what the words are. This one, there's words to it. Obviously, the other ones didn't. They're from the one. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the real deal. Peruvian. So I guess it must be uh, some form of uh, 
I don't know what I mean. It's not Spanish. No, it's native. Yeah, but Peru they speak Spanish mostly. I think they speak a bunch of different. They languages. have a native tongue. Yeah, in, in the Amazon, a couple. Of, uh, it's wild shit, man. That's a crazy place to live. But this is their technology. This is the the technology that they've invented to try to enhance or change these psychedelic trips that they go on. Very, very weird. You ever get stuck in one? And you think you can't get out of get out of it? No. Um, I've gotten, um, there, I had a one that I did a few years back that, uh, fucked me up for a couple weeks afterwards. Like it was so intense that for a couple weeks afterwards, I was really worried that like reality itself had gotten the way I described it was, it was, it reality was too slippery. Like it didn't, didn't uh. mean, it didn't make sense. Like I get these thoughts on my head. Like I'd be driving on the highway. I'm like, what if a car flips the divide and comes towards me right now? Like, I'm like, what am I thinking this? You know? And I think... Where were you working on then? On this or... Uh, Fear Factor. No, it was post-Fear Factor. Um, so nothing. Just doing stand-up. Oh, okay. Um, You're still at maybe? the comedy store because uh, I remember you talking to me about this. Mm, was it? So that was 2007, maybe? 2006, maybe. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because we stopped going to comedy store at 2007. I feel like it was post that, Brian. Damn, that's so long ago. <laughs> yeah. I think they bet on the wrong horse. That doesn't there. make any sense. I remember uh, we were in the back alley behind where well, the I had back a few. Is. I had a few that fucked me up. I don't know if this is the same you one. You said life was slippery, and mm. you were like, you just saw a ghost, and I'm like, did you do this last night? And you're like, no, this is like four days ago. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not sure if our timelines are correct here. Anyway, that's not important. The important thing was it, it took about, I think what was going on for about two weeks after this experience was that. It was so ego shattering, like the, 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 the psychedelic trip was so, it so like changed my idea of what was important and my position like in my own universe, like instead of me being the center of my own universe, I became like just this piece in this gigantic fractal. Like it was, it was very weird. And it, it, if you're, you know, you're clinging to this idea, like, what makes you successful? What makes you push forward? Well, I know you personally. I know you enjoy killing. You like going up there and 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 you like being a great comic. You know, there's a reason why you're a great comic. You've worked at it. You like it. You enjoy it. You go up, you do it, and you take pride in that. Well, when you have like a really intense psychedelic experience, one of the weird things that happens is like your idea of who you are, like the you thing, the you part of it, which mm. was so natural and normal, kind of like dissolves. So I think b my ego, by worrying about all this shit, by like like worrying about cars flipping into my lane or weird things happening, it was almost like my ego was trying to present me with a bunch of different dangers. And though these dangers, you have to prepare for these, so you have to worry about yourself. You have to think about yourself. So it's like it was trying to counterbalance the destructive, ego-destructive properties of the psychedelic. Like the psychedelic was saying, listen, you can tweak out all you want about shit, but here's the reality. The reality is you're a part of something that's infinite and it goes on forever. It's infinite in size and it's infinite in length and it's fractal. It folds into itself and expands onto infinity. Jeez. And you can you could pretend you're important all day long, but you're not. There is, it's impossible for you. You're a part of the universal soup of not just consciousness, but of atoms and subatomic particles and all these different things fold into each other. And it was so uh, it was so humbling that I think my ego was trying to battle it. I think my ego was trying to reclaim ground. And the way to do that was to make me paranoid, to make me worry about shit. Yeah. So, you know, I usually, 
I'm aware when I drive, but I don't usually think like, what if a car flips over that lane? What if a car comes out? You know, one of the things that they used to connect uh, DMT with when it first uh, when they were first experimenting with it, they they thought it was uh, it causes psychosis, and they thought maybe it exists in higher doses in uh, in people that are um, in people that are psychotic. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why they're nutty. They're nutty right. because their brain is producing all this these weird chemicals that have been shown to be produced by the body that also produce hallucinations. It might be. It's. Did you see that those uh, Twitter images about that guy who has pineal cancer? Yeah, we showed. Oh, yeah, we showed it on the last, yeah. last episode. We did. Joe, you your one of your original DMT uh, trips. You you talked about how that you met some kind of like visual spirit or something like that, and he was tailing you like three thousand million times or whatever yeah. that was. Do you they still you love you? Talk to that exact same guy, no. or is there a new no. guy? He got fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's there's a part that you go to that's like the same place, and the part you go to is like these rotating columns that go on in infinity and it's all like you're a part of like this you see like the gears and the mechanisms of the universe it feels like and it's filled with entities like whatever this thing is it's filled with like these conscious entities where it feels like conscious entities and sometimes they talk to you in english and some this last time they were they were they were talking to me in like a language that wasn't even real like they were talking to me in like they were the like they were they were saying words like tsk-ya, they were saying like things that didn't make any sense and showing you things and and if you thought negative in any way like if you they would go like like your finger would shake back and forth no 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 and then if you you calmed yourself and thought positive that would calm down but it was like letting you know every time you slipped into any sort of a negative pattern of thinking and it was exposing a lot of the um the ideas that i was thinking that were important that weren't important at all it's all, it's all ego-based ideas, ideas about, you know, um, how you how you dress or how you look or, you know, whether your car's dirty and whether you're not, you know, whether you make X amount a year or Y amount a year, whether you, you know, with all these ideas that we have connected to ourselves that, like, infest our brain and they're there all the time. It was letting me know, like, you're spending too much time thinking about stuff that's not important. It's like showing it to me, like over and over and over again. But it didn't do that thing where it says, I love you. It didn't say, look at this. Like the one time it was like, they were like, I love you 600 million, 500,000 times. Look at this. (laughs) And every time they would say, look at this, it would become this even more beautiful thing. Well, that's good. It was weird. But this one, again, I did to these Icaros, these songs. You're going to do it tomorrow? No. Oh. Why? You want to go? No, no, no. Want to get in on this? Joe, I can't do. Th- hey. If I do three teaspoons of cough medicine, I get fucking shaky. That's not true. But you could, you could have a drink. You can have a little Xanax. Have a little of that. I don't drink with Xanax. Why? What happens? Well, your heart slows down too much. Oh, a lot of people die from tranquilizer alcohol mix. Yeah, I gotta wait for those people. What pussies? You're a pussy for dying. Pussy, you can't take a little fucking Valium and a little whiskey. No, you shouldn't. That's how Merle Haggard became famous. That's how Johnny Cash made his songs. You gotta do it, son. Mix it up. All those country music guys used to fucking party hard. That was a big shocker to people that saw that that Johnny Cash movie, the uh, Walk the Line. Everybody was like, what? They were all pilled up? Like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. A lot of musicians. Musicians, they used to call it, uh, what they called before? Marijuana, uh, before it was called weed. I forget, but anyway, it's like- uh, Grass? Maybe grass, yeah. So, What's uh, that noise? 
Is that outside? Yeah. It's that song coming back. Well, this is a very different podcast, Joe. I never thought I'd get nervous on your podcast. Are you nervous? Oh, no, I started when the, the head stuff gets me a little. Does it? Then you should do it. Fuck no. No. We kill me. They uh, they give you the finger. They look like jokers. They have like joker masks on. And they give you, you see the them when your eyes are open or your yeah. eyes are closed? Your eyes are closed. You see oh. them way more visual. The visuals are way more potent than anything you could ever see with your eyes open. They give you the finger. They, they're spinning around giving you the finger. Oh, and they spiteful change. little bastards. Well, they're having fun with you. They're letting you know. Like, stop. I think it's their way of telling you not to take yourself seriously. What like, do you think? Look where we are. Like you, you take yourself seriously, dude. We're we're in another dimension, and we're fucking mocking you. But you're creating it, right? <laughs> Your brain's creating. I don't know. It. Yeah, I would take. I would think so. You think there's really something out there? <sighs> what? Here's. I don't know. And this is the best way to describe it. Um, I don't know what life is. I think life itself, like this life that we live is, if it didn't exist, if you, uh, if you, if you said, if you just, you know, you were creating a universe, you had no, no point of reference. And he said, we're going to have a bunch of people that the way they interact and let each other know what's on their mind is they make noises with their face. And then everybody's noises are different depending on what patch of land you're in. And those those noises represent like shit that we've written down with symbols, but everybody's symbols are different too. Like there's some similar ones that a lot of people use in different places, but then the Russians, they change them up and the Chinese change them and the Japanese have their own system and the Koreans have their own shit. And then the Spanish people use fucking like water slides over the top of their ends. You know, everything's, everything's weird. Right, and the only way they communicate with each other is by doing this. And then someone came along and they invented a translator. So you take copy, big slabs of pay, of of text, you throw it into Google Translate, and then it spits back up some broken English version of what that person is saying. That's just that alone is weird. The fact that there's a planet with these types of people, these entities, yeah. and they're sending photos of each other. They're they're fucking they're flying in metal tubes. They're broadcasting video through the sky, and you can pick it up on your phone, and you can watch it. I mean, that alone is very psychedelic. It's just we don't think of it because we keep doing it. We what we do as comedians is entirely psychedelic. When you're on stage this weekend at the Laugh Factor and you're killing, kill hello, killing sound system on. When you're doing that, you're that's like a form of mass hypnosis. You got those people locked into the way you're thinking, and you're doing something to their body. By you talking and you talking in yeah. this expert rhythm of the master stand-up comedian and hitting all the punchlines and thank you, good night. And they're like, what a show. They laughed and all you did was make noises with your mouth that represent ideas that you can introduce into their head that they wouldn't have ordinarily pieced together well, you like really that. You really know my act. I know how you work. <laughs> but that's psychedelic. I mean, so what is going on when you take a drug and you see these things with your eyes closed? I'm not sure. Because it seems like they're way fucking smarter than me. It seems like they're mocking me, they understand me, and they're so beyond anything that I could ever experience on this planet. It seems like if... I don't know if there is anything other than this dimension. I don't know. But scientists seem to explain it in some sort of a way where I'm willing to listen to them, well, but there, I don't... There's definitely something else, whether... I mean... Just the fact that this is all atoms mm -hmm. and, and it's moving, everything's moving, is beyond my my scope. 
I mean, I can't. Like when you said something one time, I think we were sitting on stage, and about you know we have no control over the, us, our, our, our journey through space mm-hmm. as a planet. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting to me is we have absolutely no control. I mean, if this planet just dropped for some gravitational reason, there's nothing we could do. What if it just started falling? That's what I'm saying. Just yeah, but just like there's a whole solar like a system, comet. everything's spinning, and our planet just drops. What would we do? I mean, you know, we're going. Oh fuck! Get in my somebody spaceship. Put, somebody put something <laughs> in my drink. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, we're fleas. Well, that's yeah, that's fleas why. on a dog. That's what cracks me up about people who are so full of themselves. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. what are you fucking cocky for? We don't even know what we're doing here. That's what they tell you when you do DMT. That's what those things are doing when they're giving you the finger. They're like, ah, you fucking idiot. You take yourself seriously? Would it be, wouldn't it be cool if it was always there? Those guys are always around you. And the only thing that psychedelics does is speed down your timing belt a little so you can see them. Kind of like where dogs are always barking at invisible things. And sometimes dogs... What if dogs see like DMT the whole time with you mixed in? I don't think dogs bark at invisible things. They hear sounds. Yeah, what's DMT mean? Dimethyltryptamine. Uh, Rick Strassman will be on the podcast, folks. He'll be uh, on uh, sometime soon. We're working out the date, but uh, I'll be uh, I'll be talking to him soon. He'll be flying in. It either be uh, most likely it'd be October. Looking forward to it. And Rick Strassman, for no one, if anyone knows who he is, he's one of the, anyone doesn't rather, he's one of the first guys to ever get permission from the DEA to do uh, university studies on dimethyltryptamine, on psychedelic drugs that are Schedule One drugs. And he did this um, series of tests out of the University of New Mexico and wrote a book about it called DMT, the Spirit Molecule, where they were injecting intravenous DMT into people's bodies, where it's the biggest the longest trip. If you smoke it, it goes directly into your bloodstream, but your body brings it back to baseline in about 10 to 15 minutes, depending upon the dose. But if you inject it, it takes a half hour. And apparently these people all had like these intense, intense DMT trips, like what I'm talking about, but that went on for 30 minutes. Fuck that, right? Fuck that. Get me in there. (laughs) Sign me up. So you would do a 30 minute one? Yeah, dude. I did five of them the other day. I did one after the other. Wow. Yeah, we kept doing it. Damn. It was amazing. Yeah, you walk out of there, you feel better about life, you feel better about people, you feel sorry for like angry, shitty people. Instead of being mad back at them, you feel sorry for them. And you're not concerned with any side effects? No, none. There's none. I think the side effects that I had when I did it those years ago when I was talking to you about it, I think a lot of those side effects were based on where I was in my head at that time. That it was so obliterating. And then it took me a while to sort of come to grips with what I learned from that experience. But this this experience, um, which is a, at least two years since my last one, this experience was only positive. It was n- there was nothing negative about it. It was like I was ready for this experience. Like instead of it like knocking me in the dirt, I had learned enough from my last one that I had, I'd st- I came into it with a good in a good place. Like you're always going to have like a certain amount of ridicule from them. Like you're always going to like, it'll put a lot of your ideas and your, uh, like a lot of your, like what you think is important in a perspective. So I think like that always happens. Cause I think being a person stopping at red lights, talking to people dealing with customer service on the phone, like you, you develop a, just a certain pattern of behavior that you think is normal for existing in society 
and that that normalcy you carry around with you like a shield and when you do dmt they go give me that <sighs> they throw it away you're like you silly like look at all this and they're, they're showing you this insane fractal universe that you exist in and it's, it's only positive to me but that's me i wouldn't advise it you know like i said i had that one weird trip that fucked me up for a couple of weeks and I'm pretty stable and sane in comparison to a lot of people that I know. So if you're not stable or not sane or you're having real problems, I wouldn't recommend you doing it. Yeah. Right here. That's me. That's you. <laughs> I would recommend you doing it, though. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, I mean, I'm very... <laughs> I, I've had a few bad trips, like we've talked about in the past, mm -hmm. and I've still done it, even though knowing those bad trips, but there was also a, like a recent time where I did mushrooms where I remember going, you know what, I think I'm done with this. Just I'm not going to learn anything more from this. This is now just kind of like me fucking with my brain that hopefully everything works out okay. You, know? you could definitely learn more. <laughs> I would hate Stop buying yourself. <laughs> I'll, I'll still, I'm, I'm not writing it off, but it, there was, um, that's what I felt my last trip though when I was in my trip. It yeah, just I felt, would hate getting stuck in there. Yeah. Eddie Bravo's tattoo artist, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, he's a really good tattoo artist. The guy who did the biomech stuff on his arm, mm -hmm. he did DMT like a hundred days in a row. <laughs> and somewhere, you know, somewhere during the trip, the the DMT entities were like, "Hey, hey, hey, no more, stop, enough." Like they were telling him, "You got to stop doing this." Wow. But he was he was creating all this artwork and all this. He was having all these visions, and he wanted to be in the DMT realm more than he wanted to be in the regular world. So he's like pulling back from the regular world. He was like he didn't want to interact with people. He just couldn't wait to get back to his house to get blasted again. So he'd go into hyperspace when you finally get into just the dmt realm you just become homeless right that's how, what th those guys are probably on the streets they've done so much drugs most of them mixed with you know you know schizophrenia in their backgrounds maybe but it, those are just people that have fucked their brains up right i don't know part. i mean i think a lot of people are just mentally ill i don't think they've done it necessarily to themselves with drugs i think there's a, that would be unfair to assume i think a lot of those guys are just people look some people get cancer some people have you know Serious diseases. I have hypothyroidism. Some people have, uh, you, have you know, that? yeah, yeah, I have that. It's hereditary. My mother has it. My What's that do to you? Um, I take a thyroid medication. It does so it it fixes it, but which really fixes it fine. Doesn't doesn't affect me at all. But uh, it would make me real tired towards the end of the day. Right. When I was on Fear Factor, I started getting concerned uh, because I was getting these weird headaches. They were weird. Like at the end of the day, I'd be I would be so exhausted. And I was getting these headaches where it was like my head was just compressed. And it felt like the only solution was to sleep. Like I would fall asleep like watching right. TV. And I was like, this is not normal. Like, this is not a no I know what a normal tired feels like. Yeah. This does not feel like a normal tired. And uh, I have they call it Hashimoto's disease. And it's um, just some weird hereditary failure of your, your um, thyroid yeah. gland. That's part of the endocrine system, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 It just comes from... You know, I mean, they don't know what it comes from, but a lot of people get it. My ex-girlfriend had it. Remember, yep. you helped her because she was having really bad ups and downs, mm -hmm. and she tried all these different ones, and you turned her on to this one. Yeah, uh, armor thyroid. Yeah. Armor thyroid is made from pig's thyroids, and it's very biocompatible to human beings. It makes it essentially like you don't have an issue. But I had the other stuff, the different thyroid medications weren't so good until I got this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have it, man. It's super common. Sometimes it's... Uh, I would never have guessed that because you have so much fucking energy. That was what was weird to them. They didn't understand why I was so lean. 
when yeah. when they they brought me and they tested me, uh, they're like, you know, like how come uh, has this affected your weight? Have you gotten fat? And I was like, not at all. No, because I was I would push through it. You know, even though I would be tired, right. I would force myself to work out. And when you're doing jujitsu, um, it's so intense that you you you're, you're fighting for your life essentially when you're on the mat. Yeah. And so there's there's no way you can half-ass a workout. So right. I stayed lean, even mm-hmm. though I had this issue. But it was definitely affecting my endurance. Like I I noticed a big difference since I started taking it. And now you're back to normal. Totally normal. Yeah. But um, you know, people have weird things. I mean, you were talking about kidney stones. Some yeah. people have. You know, some people have kidney diseases. Some people have failure. They're they're fucking. What Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarland have his next door neighbor. They were talking about on the uh, their radio show today. Who's losing his liver? His liver's dying. He drank too much and he killed his liver. And they was waiting for a fucking transplant. Shit goes wrong, man. The body the body doesn't always work forever. Nobody gets out alive. I've been drinking again. Oh Jesus, Dom! Now you now you tell us. You want to drink right now? No. Mm. Okay, good. It's a test. That means you could put it away. Yeah. You didn't get all shaky in the head. I wake up fucking drunk every day. Every day? Every day. Wow. Just give yourself a day off. I was thinking about that maybe tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll play some pool after this. Give yourself a break. You don't want to play pool drunk. Be upset with yourself. Do you enjoy drinking water or is water hard for you to drink? I love drinking water. You love water? <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> I hate water. Do you enjoy drinking water? <laughs> Hmm. I mean, I like Tang better. You hate water? Yeah. I, I, Why? It just doesn't do it for me. I, I'd rather I drink Gatorade, but I, water. It's <laughs> fucking terrible for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not bad for you after you work out because you need to replenish the, the sugars. The electrolytes and sugars, too. Right. Like, one of the best things after you work out is actually chocolate milk. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chocolate milk is great, especially after you lift weights because it has uh, a little bit of protein in it. Uh, um, it has uh, milk, milk proteins. Uh, it also has uh, casein, I think it's called, and uh, sugar because of the chocolate and the syrup and all that jazz. It actually replenishes your glycogen. It's really, it's like the best. That's me and chocolate milk. <laughs> well, first of all, cho- those pouty lips. That is you. <laughs> Sexy as fuck. Where's this, Joe? Okay, that was a long time ago, man. That's uh, early 2000s, somewhere around there. Wow, we've known each other a long time, brother. Yeah, man. We've known each other since the 90s, my brother. Dom and I, we played pool at Amsterdam Billiards in like 1993 or something. Well, you something had just like gotten that. that show, I think. I don't even think I had it yet. Oh, you didn't have it yet? I don't think so. I think oh. I'd just done your show. I did that that Showtime oh, thing with you in Montreal, and then we ran into each other. That's where we knew it, at Amsterdam, yeah. yeah. I love that place. That was great. The one on uh, the Upper West Side was great. The new one's great, too. It's on the East Side. I haven't seen it. Where is it at? Uh, I don't remember the, the, the streets, but it's like lower numbers on the East Side. It's great. It's like New York has a bunch of pool halls, but L.A., they're all gone, man. They're all gone. All the pool halls in L.A. I used to enjoy that one, Hollywood Billiards. We went, or you, you know, it was fun, too, the other one. We could take the girls out. Oh, uh, yeah. At the, the Hollywood Athletic Club. Hollywood Athletic Club. Yeah, that was great. That was back in the 90s, Dominic. Burbank still has a good one. Yeah, they still have, what is it, Fantasia or something yeah. like that? Yeah, that's a good one. This There's, is a nice table you got here. Yeah, that's a good table. That's a that's an old gold crown too. That's from the nineteen seventies. I'm excited to Four rack Four inch pockets, my friend. Very small. Oh pockets. no, really? Oh, oh they're God. gonna hurt your soul. It's gonna break. Uh. Yeah, this guy Ernesto Dominguez, top pool player. He uh, he's a, also a, 
a great table mechanic, and his brother, his uh, son rather, Oscar Dominguez, a top pro, and uh, they uh, they make these uh, these they cut these table pockets. They made this. Well, they uh, they they built the table. Okay. So they make these table openings like like four inch holes. So it's very very difficult. What's to play. a normal one? Five. It's a big difference. Yeah, suffer. <laughs> My back's gonna be killing me from racking. <laughs> See, that's something I would do if there was a if if I couldn't uh, if I couldn't do stand up anymore. I would try playing pool professionally. I'd try going on the tour if there was a tour. The tour's kind of dead now. It's amazing because it's such a great great sport. It needs a television great, show. Yeah, pool needs like Larry the Cable Guy to travel the country. You're right. <laughs> it needs. It needs something. I thought about doing it for a while. I thought about doing a show where I, I go from town to town and play the best guy in the house or something like that. Yeah, but people thing, would get bored. I told you this before. You got too much going in your life to become uh, a pro, uh, to put in the practice it would take to be a pro. I know, but I get obsessed. I get obsessed with things, dumb. You don't seen. get obsessed with anything? If you get the old fucking moves back, you wouldn't try a little bit of pro ball? <laughs> Come on, a little bit of dribbling oh. in between the legs. People yeah. don't know. You're a good basketball player. Oh, uh, I was. I could shoot. You could beat somebody at horse, you think? Fuck people up at horse? I had these two kids. I was in Ohio, and I guess they heard I could play basketball. They said, were you a good basketball player? I said, well, for a comedian. They go, uh, could you jump? I go, I could grab the rim. They go, you know, at my height, that's a good jump. They go, were you fast? I go, I was really fast. They go, you, you? I go, not what you see now, you fucking idiots. <laughs> me, me. Not this fucking bloated old Chinese man, whatever the fuck I am. So, no, uh, you know, like a, a fucking 145 pounds of monkey muscle. When you yeah. see when you see your face go Chinese, do do you have the urge to just walk around? Like this? <laughs> do you have the urge to fight it? I don't know what happened. I don't, is that a is that a disease? I look at me. I, I don't know what the fuck happened to my head. I think it's a lot of it is uh, water alcohol? retention, alcohol. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Your body fat rises. Your whole face gets Chinese-like, very moon-pie-ish. I want you to be honest with me. Have I lost too much much weight? Do I look gaunt to you? You look beautiful. (laughs) I love you no matter what you look like. Um, uh, I wish you were a hot chick. This drinking thing, um, is this something you want to do something about, or are you just going to... Yeah, I got it. I got it. You got it? Before, you've done it like cold turkey, right? Yeah. My doctor said, uh, just take a half a Xanax and you can... I said, will I, go get, you know, will I get convulsions and shit if I stop drinking cold turkey? He says, no. See, I guess because my body withdrew from it all day today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm drinking, I get up and have a drink, and then you ask me if I want to drink, oh, yeah, I could go for one. It's not like that. Right. It's just you convenient, like it's a pattern that you fall into when you go out at it's, night? I love being high. And like, uh, I'll sit there at... At night, and I'll go, all right, I'm going to have, like, two shots. And then I go, all right, six shots. Six shots? Yeah, I just keep Every around. night? Yeah. What's your main drink? Wow. Your main, your go-to Whatever drink? Whatever I can reach. <laughs> uh, I like um, J- Jameson. Beach. I like uh, uh, dirty martinis. Oh, so you just drink straight with no mixers? or Yeah. Maybe start doing large drinks, and then it's like you know, like I do ginger ale. No, he and wants turkey. to get drunk. See, I want to get drunk. I don't want to get. I don't want to enjoy. Like sit there sipping. I don't want to enjoy uh, like cake. Fruit cake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cake. Hey, jackass! Open up your ears. Yeah, put this umbrella in your drink. It makes it more difficult <laughs> to find the liquid. It's on I the top. You got to move it around. It makes your drink slower. I fucking hate like pina coladas and shit like that. Really? Uh, do you like that? Do you like getting caught in the rain? 
<laughs> do you like the smell of the ocean or the taste of champagne? I like, I like Jimmy do you like Buffett. Making love at midnight? I don't think that was Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> if you uh, like yeah. pina coladas, <laughs> who was that? I thought it was Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett. No, I don't believe so. Look it up, motherfucker. Yeah, I feel you like sexy it's someone else. Motherfucker, shaking that ass, shaking that yeah, ass. I feel like it's something, someone else. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett. Is it? Yep. Man, you that, like don't you bring your primitive skills was... to me about music, Mister Rogan? No, it's Rupert Holmes. What? Hey, you fucking knucklehead! This is Jimmy Buffett. Rupert oh. Holmes, recorded by American singer Rupert Holmes. I think it was made famous by Jimmy Buffett. It's on the Midnight Special. Burt Sugarman. Here we go. This is Rupert Holmes. You're both right. No, this is the famous one. Yeah, that's it. It's Rupert Holmes. So don't trust Brian Redband to Google anything for you. No, but don't if I put, bet your life on if it. If I play Jimmy Buffett's song, it's probably going to sound exactly the same, think, but that's probably the one that you Play know. the Jimmy Buffett. I want to hear it. Okay, I think play the Jimmy Buffett. Well, this guy is This is the guy who made the... He had the hit. The guy who had the hit that was on the radio oh, is yeah. Rupert Holmes. Okay. Yeah, you were right, I think. I'm definitely right. I know how to Google. <laughs> you Google with your dick or something. I don't <laughs> no, even think I'm, you pay I'm, attention to what you write in I, there. I honestly thought that that, that was a... Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy song. Buffett is the fucking Margaritaville guy. Yeah, maybe that's why. He's not a pina colada guy. <laughs> How did we go from talking about the universe to this? Brian Redband. <laughs> fucking, he's the crowbar in any intellectual discussion. Clang, clang. Your gears get See, ground up, and then the, the fucking elves give you the finger. See, but like, look at things like this. Like, if you like pina colada, Jimmy Buffett. Like, that's an idiot that yeah. doesn't know that it's not Jimmy Buffett. That's just some moron on YouTube. Unless Jimmy Buffett actually sang a version of it. That's See if you can find did. a Jimmy Buffett version of it. Okay. But Jimmy Buffett was wasting away again in Margaritaville. He has a whole fucking uh, station on XM. You can listen to Jimmy Buffett all the yeah, time. I don't think I want that. If you're in Florida, you would. If you're in Florida and you're popping Xanax and drinking booze and just fucking sitting on the I beach don't do with them flip together, flops. Joe. You used to, right? No. Never? But you take a Xanax in the morning, and by the time it wears off, then you're drinking. Yeah. That's how it works. Is there a, is there a, a version of it? Well, there's one, that one I was showing, but you know, you're right. It's mostly all just Rupert Holmes. And Jamie yeah. just showed me something like the five songs that people think are from the wrong artist. Oh, so it's actually like a really okay. well, Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it seems like it would be kind of a Jimmy Buffett song, but I knew it wasn't him. And it's because of Margaritaville. I think you, you totally nailed it right yeah. there. I think that's why I just immediately thought. It's one of those old-ass songs that you don't understand, like um, like uh, the things you do for love. Who the fuck sang that? Like it's like walking in the rain, in the snow, and there's nowhere to go. And you're feeling like a part of you is dying. Who the fuck? We're looking for the answer in her eyes. I had a copy of that when I was a little kid. I was a little kid, like maybe six or seven, and we had a 45 of that song, Things You Do For Love. It was like the first who song I ever owned. Who sang that? Who the fuck knows? See if Brian will what's, pull it up. What's it called? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Led Zeppelin. No, it's a British, the Who. It's a British band called 10CC. 10CC. Oh, wow, really? You know, a friend of mine was on a cruise ship, and Robert Plant was on it. And somebody oh, called wow. somebody called him um, Led. Oh my th god! His first name was Led. What a disaster! <laughs> why would Robert Plant go on a fucking? Why would he ever do that? I like, don't get know. Trapped on a boat? Oh, I fucking. Oh. Have you ever done it? 
No. I did two of them. No. No. I've, I've been on fishing boats. I don't like boats. That's it. See, I like, I, I like yachts. If I lived near a lake, I would be in heaven. If I lived in a lake and I could just pull a, like a nice bass boat out there and go fishing, I love fishing. Really? It's so fun. So primal, too. Something about catching your dinner. You know, you throw that sucker on ice, fillet mm-hmm. it, get home, cook it, eat it. Very satisfying. Something like caveman style satisfying. It just feels great. Have a couple of beers when you're out there. Cast a line. Enjoy the day. I'd just go to the seafood restaurant. Oh, dumb. You say oh, that, Joseph. but do you ever catch a big fish? It's no, fucking I never fun. Fish. Look at me. Do I look like a fish? I got to put up some YouTube videos of me and Ari when we were uh, in um, uh, Alaska last summer. Pfft, we had a great time. Sounds romantic. We, uh, well, that was that part too. <laughs> but we caught the salmon run, like right when the king sa- salmon were running strong. Oh, wow. And we caught like seven, eight fish a day, and they were giant. Like big 30, 40 pound salmon. Jeez. It was so fun. I got some videos. I need to put them up on YouTube. I've had them for a while, but we had a fucking blast. Because we had a gig up there. We set, scheduled a gig for one day, but we went fishing for two days before the gig. It was so much fun. Yeah, that's cool. Joe, did you see the, the video of the grouper eating a shark? Yes. <laughs> Pull that shit up. It's probably going to get us pulled Groupers from are YouTube. gigantic, right? That's some of them. This is the, the part of the show where we say, this will get us pulled from YouTube. If, you, if you're tired of shit getting pulled from YouTube, folks, go to Vimeo. Vimeo doesn't pull things like YouTube does right. for whatever reason. Here we go. But uh, this grouper is, groupers, if you don't know, they get to be like hundreds of pounds. They're oh. fucking huge. So this guy has caught this shark, and the grouper just ganks his fucking shark. He's pulling the shark in, and it's enormous. I mean, they're like four or five hundred pounds sometimes, these Goliath groupers. And it comes up, and it, it snatches his fucking shark. Like, he's got the shark floating around on the top, and the fish can't help himself. He's like, fuck it. Here he goes. Look at this thing. Look at the size of this fucking thing. One bite. Wow. One bite inhales the entire shark. Wow. Fucking unreal. That's how big a Goliath grouper is. And if you catch one of those bitches, you're going to be pulling that thing in for hours. You're going to be hanging on. I don't even like going to a seafood restaurant where they tell you to cook your own fish. Do they do that? Yeah. In Hawaii, I've seen it. They what tell the you to I cook your own for? fish. I got to clean my plate, too. Well, don't you like you go on a date? It's like we're doing activities. <laughs> we're cooking together. Go turn it over for me. I uh, like dipping fondue. <laughs> I take the bread, I dip it in the cheese. Ooh. That's good, too, Joe. People like that Korean barbecue. You, like you have the, the, the hot thing in front of you and you slap down the. There's a place yeah, I don't like in that. the mall out here. Mm, they, they do that. I love that place. It's annoying. I don't you don't like, like it, it at all. No, it's stupid. The only bad thing is you smell <laughs> so bad when you leave. Like you just. If I was gonna cook myself, I wouldn't cook like that. Right. I like cooking over like charcoal, like like lump charcoal. Can you get that smoky flavor? Mm-mm. It's more about all you can eat, though. Oh, is it all you can eat? Yeah. I don't so think just this said, place is not all you can eat. Oh yeah, yeah. You you choose which meat group you want. Like you have, they have like an eighteen dollar per person, twenty four, thirty dollar, and if you get the thirty one, you get a different menu. You could just order as much as you want. From I that don't menu. like all oh. you can eat things psychologically. It, it right. seems to lower the quality. Really? All, all you can eat sushi. Ugh. Oh yeah, but Brazilian steakhouses. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Those chujascarias, where you have that card. The card down. Yeah, like it's green on one side, red on the other. When it's red, you want to take a break. When it's green, they just oh. keep coming with new food. Yeah, they have oh. a place like that in Philly. After Eddie Bravo uh, fought in uh, Metamoris, or uh, had his grappling match in Metamoris, we went to uh, Fogo de Chao in, uh, near the Beverly Center. That's the one. That, that's the Brian and I have eaten it about... Most of them. <laughs> Most of them across the country. There's a new one in San Diego I need to try. Yeah, That's I know. Great. I noticed I noticed when I was down at the American Comedy Company, when yeah. we would show up at a town and we found a Fogo, we'd go, oh, we'd get all excited. We'd go there. Yeah, it's delicious. And Joey Diaz would look at you like you're an asshole if you go anywhere near that salad bar. <laughs> Why are you fucking with that salad bar, dog? <laughs> Listen, sit down here. You're in no danger. You're in no danger. <laughs> Bring it over. Bring it over. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? He'd start talking in Spanish to the fucking guys with the skewers. <laughs> they speak Portuguese. He's talking to them in Spanish, trying to find some middle ground. I recently went, and they, they hide that picanha now. They That guy's hard to find. He You, you ask like, two different people, and you get so much chicken sausage and bacon stuff, and you're like, just give me the picanha. I think it's a matter of how many people are there. Like, like some things... Like are more popular, right? But uh, last time we were there, they kept coming with it. They had the, the bacanya and the garlic beef. Oh, mm. bacanya is like top sirloin. What they do is they have like uh, an open fire. It's like a wood fire. It's like real, and they have these skewers that they lean over the fire, and the skewers spin around. And when when they deem that it's ready, then they bring it over to your table, slice pieces off the yeah, outside, I've seen that. and then oh. they put it right back on the fire. Resalt it. Yeah, they resalt it and put like have a basting thing yeah. that they do. And so there's this, this big piece of meat, and they put it over this. Fire and they just slowly cook the outside and then they put it back in slowly cook the outside now i'm getting hungry oh there's a place near here you want to eat after this yeah 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 fuck yeah by the way joe our green mountain grill they have a new app now that you can use the app to tell when your food's done yeah yeah they, <laughs> they sent me the info i gotta hook it up though you gotta get a guy to come to your house though and plug right, it in sensor thing in. yeah it's not easy to do but that green mountain grill is mo- awesome yeah. that's a pellet grill if you don't know what that is it's yeah. a smoker it smokes your your food like like an oven that's the hot smoke of uh, this burning firewood or this burning uh, hardwood. They take hardwood, and when you like say if you bought a table like this table is made out of oak, well someone who cut this wood, you leave a lot of sawdust, and they buy the hardwood sawdust, and they c- they compress it into these pellets, which with the natural sugars of the wood. There's no additives. It's just the wood itself. And then you pour these pellets. It looks like almost like you ever seen that pine kitty litter to use that stuff? Yeah, it's the best stuff. Right, it's, it cuts the smell back the most. Yeah, but you take these pellets and you pour it into this like hopper. It's like this box. You close the lid on it and then you set the temperature and it automatically keeps the fire going. It's like this got this um, what is it called? An element that that heats it up and it spins it in like this gear. And the, the pellets automatically get introduced, and the fire has the exact right amount of temperature. And you can keep it at, like, you know, like for 250 or 350. It's like you're trying a to cook something pot slow. For grills. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so easy. Like, I used to have another kind of smoker. I used to have to add wood to it all the time. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. This thing does it all itself. Yeah. And it tastes like all those guys. Like, have you ever watched those barbecue <laughs> competitions? Mm-hmm. You ever watch those things yeah, on, like, the absolutely. Food Channel? Sure. A lot of those guys, they use those pellet grills now. The pellet grills are like a big, a big deal. Yeah, you put the meat on, you know, earlier in the afternoon. You come back and it's just falling off the yeah. bone. No, it's pretty badass. Yeah. It's pretty badass. I'm a big fan. Check I'm out. a big, big fan. Thumb right back at you, Joe. Big fan. I love cooking, man. Cooking is fun. It's especially fun when you're cooking uh, something uh, that you killed yourself. When you cut it up yourself and you slap that bitch on the grill, <laughs> it's very exciting. Never, never, never killed anything. Would you be willing? I'm thinking about doing a hunting show. 
this is the idea of the hunting show. The idea of the hunting show is I go out with uh, people that have never been hunting before. Whether it's comedians like Hannibal Burris, he said he would go. Um, a, lo- a lot of guys are interested in going. I would go to the five-star hotel closest to where he go- goes go hunt. And you wouldn't hunt? No. What if we took you out in a, a pickup truck and you could just roll down the window and fire it out the window? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Would you do that for yeah, real? that's my style. You can do that in some places. Really? In Texas, there's a ranch that Aubrey hunted at where you literally shoot your rifle from the front seat of the truck. Oh, I love that. The fucking truck has no windshield. So you drive around on this truck. You know, I don't know if it's like a Jeep or if it's an actual pickup truck. They knock the windshield out. But you drive around this truck, and then they get close to these herds of animals, and then they fucking set your rifle up right there through the window. Boom. You shoot it. Then you get out of the truck. You get it. You take a photo with right. it. Oh, I got to get out of the truck? You don't have to. Okay. I'll bring it to you. I'm still in. I'll bring it to you. And you can wave. <laughs> Instead of taking a picture with the animal you kill, you just wave from the window. This is Dom. This is Dom's deer. And you. Uh, and then they take care of everything else. It's like the laziest way to hunt ever. I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was, we were in, uh, me and Sophie were in uh, Hawaii and she was snorkeling, and I found she's only you are so fucking lazy could find a way to snorkel without even going underwater. I got one of those rafts that you see through. <laughs> put my head on that. You just snorkeled with a raft? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I snorkeled for the first time last time I was in Hawaii. It was awesome. It's really fun. Yeah. You know, swimming around a reef. We were around a reef. You've seen all these fish moving around their little world. You know, this little. Uh, I stepped on a sea anemone, though. This fucker went right in my foot really yeah they had to pour uh, vinegar all over my foot you're supposed to do it if you're going to go near a, a reef like reefs are really sharp yeah. you're supposed to do it with those uh scuba shoes you know oh, yeah because yeah, yeah. i was just barefoot but you uh you step down the wrong spot and these sea anemone like black spines went deep into my foot oh god yeah fuck me up i never go in the ocean without shoes on i just don't want to step on anything gross like what? Condoms? Like, like dead. I stepped on dead jellyfish once and it was just disgusting. And just, you know, there's jellyfish. a lot of gross stuff in the ocean. Jellyfish can fuck you yeah. up, especially Australia. Oh, yeah. If you go to uh, Australia, there's um, certain species of jellyfish that kill people every year. Yeah. I was just there a couple months ago and in Perth. They have the hel- helicopters going over, you know, to, to spot the sharks. They have that in Adelaide, too. Really? Yeah, because wow. they have, well, they see them. They, yeah. They, they warn people. Fuck that. Big white, great white sharks. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, that's a, that's a scary spot. Uh, apparently, the most scary spot for sharks is South Africa. Australia's pretty bad. Is it bad? Yeah. That's also a place where a lot of people surf, too, right? Yeah. Did you ever surf? Yeah. Really? I've surfed. You surf, but you, uh, what, what was it like? Well, I was a pretty good athlete then. I was. I got up a couple times. You know, I did it a few times. It's the thing about it. You have to be a strong swimmer to really get out there to have to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You can't just like go twenty feet and expect to ride something in. You got to right. get out, and you got to climb on at just the right time too. Right? Yeah, it's probably difficult. It's yeah, it's very difficult. That's There's cool a place though. in Abu Dhabi. I think it's Abu Dhabi or Dubai. Oh yeah, I've seen that. They created an indoor yeah. surfing. Yeah, that's pool. pretty wild. It's ridiculous. So most ridiculous thing ever. Like, isn't the whole idea is that you're out there in the ocean with nature, and these yeah, guys are like, in the middle of the desert. We're in a pool in a mall. Sometimes you got to <laughs> settle. <laughs> Neil Brennan did comedy there back in. The, was it Neil that you used to see? Eddie F. Eddie F. I mean, yeah, yeah. Eddie, Eddie F. F does comedy. It. He did. He tries. I'm kidding. No, he does. <laughs> 
That's right. Yeah. Eddie F just had a Kickstarter. He created his own. Um, he created his own like mobile podcast van, yeah. like a van to go drive around and do podcasts. We talked about doing that on the podcast, like getting a stream, one of those uh, streamers. What are those called? Streamlines. Streamlines. Those oh, yeah, beautiful those silver, silver ones. Yeah, those silver things. Is that called a streamline? Yeah. yeah. Why do I feel like it's called something else? Streamline trailer. It's the silver one. Yeah. Well, that thing, the the cool looking retro looking one. Yeah. Gulfstream. Jimmy Buffett had one. <laughs> I was actually thinking about recently just selling because I have my second car and selling it and trying to get one of those and move Death Squad into that. It's not a bad idea, dude. I, I thought about doing it too and like that we could do them like on the road. You could do it like you show up an hour early for a gig, do a gig, you know, do it in the parking lot. But the fun, the freaks are Am I still you. in the Death Squad? Yeah. You, there was no one, no, there was no initiation <laughs> fees. There's you no, got your uh, tattoo on your back still? The lower back. The lower yeah. back, two dolphins right. kissing. Why would you like to come? <laughs> Put it there. <laughs> yeah, this one. This is a, There's a company that makes like a high-end version of these things where the inside Airstream. of it is like Airstream. Airstream. There it is. I know you fucked it up. Streamline. What did I say? Streamline? Yep. <laughs> but there is a Streamline. See, is this there? is a Streamline trailer. Oh. So there's some Some of them are Streamlines. Yeah. That's just, they just ripped off the Airstream yeah. name. Yeah, look at that. Imagine, look at that sexy thing. How much are these? They're fucking expensive. Wow. They're not cheap because they're really made well. Oh, that'd be so sad. There's a place up in uh, Big Sur where you uh, you rent them. They have uh, they have them set up on this property, and that's how you camp. They have like uh, they have, like a little grill out there. Like Duncan was up there for like a week. He loved it. He said Big Sur is his favorite place on the planet. It's beautiful. I know. There's one in Joshua Tree where a lot of L.A. comics all, they rent out a trailer. They have, I, I went to it also where they had this big circle of trailers and each one's decorated like a different, like the 70s, you know, the retro one, the Star Trek one. They Do have, you have any interest in doing like going to Burning Man? No. Next year, we should podcast from Burning Man. If, if we're in a trailer, yes, but... If we, oh, yeah, dude, we're going to be in trailers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I will go there if there's a trailer, but... What is Burning Man? It's a ridiculous festival out in the middle of the desert where everyone gets together and they all, like, dance around and do drugs. They don't shower. It's an excuse to be stinky. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a, like a psychedelic sort of a festival. And these people, they all get together. Look at this one, Brian. They have one that's like a truck. They have... Uh, they have like a coach and you can drive it around. They call them interstate EXTs. Look at this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you could drive it. So it could have like your, your kitty cat on the side of it. You get someone to paint it or get one get of those, wrap. Uh, a wrap. Yeah. And you take one of these things around. If you develop, like if you really developed a plan and like set forth like a, a like a, a, a real like legitimate plan to get one of these things, you could do it in a couple of years. Here's Will Smith at Burning Man this year on Segways. Will Smith was there? Yeah. No. For real? Or is it a Will yeah. Smith mask? No. Which one's Will Smith? This one right here. Oh, they're dancing together? What yeah. are they doing? They're <laughs> yeah. filming something? Yeah, they're, they're getting jiggy with it. <laughs> are they getting jiggy with it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Dennis McKenna, he, or not uh, Dennis McKenna, Graham Hancock, rather, he goes there every year. I think he just got back from it. It just happened, right? Yeah, it was last week, and actually the first day or two was canceled because of rain. They they had what? rain, and it closed, flooded all the roads going into it. They even have rain. like these really small ones. Look, they just attach to the back of your trailer, and then mm. you can just leave it at home if you want to. Yeah, yeah, there's some good ones. Um, w rain? Where is it? Uh, uh, Arizona? 
Where does Burning Man take place? I, I, I want to think it was California. Why did I think it was California? Dumb. Any, uh, Death Valley. Yeah, that's California. Yeah. Any desire to go to Burning Man, dumb? No desire at all, Joe. What if we're doing a podcast down there next year? Would you be willing to stay for one day? Would, would, we'll limo you in. Yeah. You come out, you do the podcast, yes. we'll limo you out. You're in? Yeah. Dom Herrera's in. That's great. Heard it here first. Limo him in to the podcast. We yeah. hang out, we drink, we eat. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about taking this bitch mobile, doing some uh, podcasts in New York, doing some podcasts in other places where I can't, you know, I get, can't get certain guests to come here, so I want to go to them. I like it here. You like it here? This is a good spot. Yeah, very good. But you do, you're, you, you know. What you do with the werewolf? He's right out there. He's right up by the uh, pool table. I got a fuck I miss that. You're not paying attention. Jeez. Black Rock Desert is where Burning Man is. Where's that? Arizona? Uh, Nevada. 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 Hmm. Didn't they try to enforce laws there this year? They're saying, like, they catch people with drugs, they're going to arrest them and some shit. Whoa. Check your car for weapons. All that Leave fucking, people alone yeah. with fucking drugs. Jeez. Hey. He's gotta, they got to make money somehow, Dom Herrera. That's exactly what it you is. got to keep all those people in uniform. Who gives a fuck? Why do people even care? Old people, conservatives, people who want tax Why dollars. Why is it their business? It's not their business. That's the point. That's what makes young people so angry. It's almost like they know that their, their control they have is fleeting, and they know that there's kind of a new age in the air. Like, what was going on in the 60s? is going on now, but to a much larger extent and to a much more broad extent. Like the, the understanding of how corrupt our system is, the understanding of like how flawed it all is pieced together, even by the people that are in it, they're involved in it. It's like they, they're all admitting that the yeah. whole thing is a disaster, whether it's the financial system, the political system. And then on top of that, like marijuana is becoming legal. Whether people like it or not, it's spreading. Colorado is making so much fucking tax money Isn't off that great? of it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's also happening in Washington State. Unprecedented numbers. Well, the two Super Bowl teams were both from states that were that was legal. Of course. High as fuck. Come up with good ideas. <laughs> Excellent strategies. I, Joe, I don't even, you know, I, I, I smoke pot four times in my life. and I always Want to go for number five? Yeah. No. no? Just one hit. Just a little bit? One hit? One hit. That's the way it always starts. Then I'll be a heroin addict in a week. It'll make you feel good. It's not a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug, Joe. That's the the partnership for a drug-free America trying to trick you. I'm totally convinced that it's not a gateway drug, by the way. I'm totally... I don't know anybody that went from pot to heroin. Well, you could, but you could also go from toothpaste to heroin. (laughs) You know, it doesn't mean that it's a gateway. Everybody drinks water who does heroin, by the way. I think heroin should be legal, by the way. I do, too. I think everything should be legal, but I think there should be consequences to selling people things that are bad for them. So I think that if you, if heroin is legal, but if you're selling heroin, I think there should be massive consequences. I think you should be, if people die of overdoses, I think you should be held responsible. Just like you should be held responsible, say, if you come up with, uh, if you come up with some new medication, you know, you come up with, if you're a co- pharmaceutical company and you come up with a new medication that deals with migraines, but it also sort of winds up killing a certain percentage of people. Yeah. You should be held financially responsible. You should I be agree. able to be sued. He's got a joint for you. What are you, the God. devil? <clears throat> He's the devil. Look at him. That's See, what the devil looks like. Everybody thinks the devil looks mean. He looks he cuddly. Looks, he looks like Red Band. <laughs> De- devil looks like a big sweetie. Go ahead. Yeah, say you are. I don't want it. No, 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 no. He doesn't. Stop being a pusher. What were we talking about before the devil? Just the legality of drugs and how ridiculous. Uh, and you were saying that people... Who sell? <laughs> excuse me. Who sell, point. sell drugs to people? Should yeah, be held oh, that's responsible. Right. Yeah, the, being responsible for the the repercussions of what happens to people when they use it. If people die of heroin overdoses, if that's possible from something that you sell, you should be held financially responsible up to a point. 
Because you know you could die from sh- from well, salt. You, yeah, you could die. Give me a, if if you give a guy bacon every day for breakfast, that's going to be dangerous for well, his I heart. Think if you eat, no, it's not bacon. Bacon, believe it or not, is not bad for you. Bacon? Yep, not bad for it's you. The most delicious thing I've ever had in my life. It's not bad for you. You know what's bad for you? Being fat enough that bacon is bad for you. That's what's bad. Oh, for you don't you. have to say it like that. I'm not saying that you're fat. Oh, no, you said it with like a you like a, you projected. It wasn't to you. I'm looking enough. at you because you like the audience of my delivery, but I didn't mean you. You meant me. I meant Ralphie May. I meant someone larger. That's not me. I love Ralphie, by the way. These are just jokes. You're talking about me. I'm right here. Yeah, he's right there. Um, but when you're when you're so fat that bacon's doing you in. Well, some people have naturally high cholesterol, too. That's another thing to take into consideration. There's some yeah. people that genetically have high cholesterol, and they have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And they have, you also have to balance out your good cholesterol and your bad cholesterol. A lot of people think that cholesterol is all bad. You know, there's LDL and HDL. There's, there's good cholesterol, <laughs> and then there's cholesterol that is uh, it's not, not good for you. Mine but, is good. But if you have, like, low cholesterol, like, fun, like, there's certain cholesterol that's actually good for brain function. Yeah. I think. What kind of cholesterol I've just that? heard that, though. Uh, cholesterol. The hipster cholest. Good. I'm going to write cholesterol. Good. Okay, here it is. Good versus bad cholesterol from the American Heart Association. Okay, so this is not bullshit at all. HDL and LDL triglycerides. What's the difference? An LDL cholesterol is considered the bad cholesterol because it contributes to plaque, which is a thick, hard deposit that can clog arteries and make them less flexible. So arterial sclerosis, arterial sclerosis is what comes from the bad cholesterol and those narrowed arteries will give people heart attacks. HDL cholesterol is considered good cholesterol because it helps remove LDL cholesterol from the arteries, which is interesting. So Crestor does that. Is that that uh, a pill? Yeah. Um, And Lipitor too, right? Is that same same kind of stuff? Experts believe that HDL acts as a scavenger carrying LDL cholesterol away from the arteries and back to the liver where it is broken down and passed from the body. One-fourth to one-third of blood cholesterol is carried by HDL. A healthy level of HDL cholesterol may also protect against heart attack and stroke, while low levels of HDL cholesterol have been shown to increase the risk of heart attacks. Um, Dr. Mark Gordon explained this to me when I had my, um, my blood work done. And what he was telling me is that there's a lot of issues like where people think they have high cholesterol. And then, you know, they say, oh, my cholesterol count is this. And he say, okay, what does that mean? Is it your HDL or your LDL? And then most people don't even know. Right. Like they used to not know. And if you're dealing with a physician that doesn't understand the difference between the two, if they're not an expert in it, like they can give you bad advice and get you right. on medication that you don't even need. Like you just have, you have high HDL, you have high, uh, you have high healthy cholesterol. You can, you know, you, you really want to balance, allegedly. Coming from me, I'm no doctor to steal one of your bits. I'm <laughs> no, not a doctor. You're but not. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so my point is bacon, not bad. Not bad for you. Diddy went to uh, Burning Man this year and changed his. It supposedly changed his life forever. Like, look at his picture of him at Burning Man, and then like, look at this. <laughs> he was at Burning Man with his own little umbrella. He yeah, didn't even have little, a guy holding it for him. No, That's little, crazy. Yeah, no, it's all pink. Who's that? Diddy. P. Diddy. Oh. And uh, supposedly it changed his life. Hmm. Words cannot explain. I'll never be the same. Same. 
Bacon is loaded with fats, but they're good fats. The fats in bacon are about 50% monosaturated, and a large part of those is oleric acid. This is the same fatty acid that olive oil is praised for and is generally considered heart healthy. 40% of it is saturated fat accompanied by a decent amount of cholesterol, but we now know that the saturated fat isn't harmful, and cholesterol in the diet doesn't affect cholesterol in the blood. Fascinating. Very that's the greatest news I had all day. The bacon's bacon. good for you. Bacon and jogging. Let's go get some bacon sandwiches. Put the two of them together. Do you? So you you you're going to the gym though, right? You work out. Yeah. Where do you work out? No, don't tell people. They'll fucking stalk you. They'll stalk you. They'll steal your underwear, break into your locker, and shit in it. You know the this place, Joe. Kurt, Kurt. Oh, that place. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking yeah? about. Yeah. So you get a good workout there. Yeah, I got a. <coughs> excuse me. I got a a torn rotator cuff, partially torn. So it's been tough to lift the weights, and you get flabby right away at this age. But it's fine. I was in uh, Perth, and I opened up a, an elevator. was closed during a fire alarm. I opened up. I pulled this thing. Whoa. Uh, unbelievable timing. I'm in Chicago, fucking totally in pain. A guy comes up to me after. He goes, you know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I got 20 doctors here. A couple of us were talking about you. You have a partially torn rotator cuff. I said, uh, wow, you can tell by looking at me. He goes, absolutely. He said, you could, you could see the way I was raising my hand. He says, come in tomorrow, pro bono, I'll take care of you. Wow. I says, I, you know, I got insurance. He said, no, no, you made me laugh for 25 years, I'll take care of you. So I think it's going to be me, him, and a needle. It's like a whole group of doctors. And, you know, he's trying to be funny. He goes, is that the hand you come with? Oh. He, you know, he said, is that the hand you jerk off with? I said, well, I jerk with that hand, but I, I off with this hand. You know? <laughs> And uh, anyway, so I'm up there, and he, he gives me a needle in the shoulder. I said, well, why am I up here? My hip hurts, too. He goes, I'll look at that. The, he x-rayed that, give me another fucking shot. It was great. So the partially turned rotator cuff, does it need surgery? No. No? It's 85%. I mean, it's only 15% tour. So it, it just needs exercise. So you have but to I, stabilize it? Is that what it is? You have to, you have to always uh, be moving it. Does it fuck with you right now? Like if you're moving around, like you yeah, do like sometimes like this, like moving it like that, I'm, I can't. I, like yeah, that goes. Like this I can't do. I've never had like real soldier shoulder problems, but I had some Neither recently I. where I, I shot too many arrows. I uh, I got overzealous with my bow and arrow. I have a, a ninety pound bow and an eighty pound bow, and I, I shot the ninety pound bow like one hundred fifty times a day. Jeez. Oh, it was just way too much. My shoulder just got worn out, and it was it was hurting for like a couple of months. But it, thankfully, it wasn't torn. It was just like tendonitis, like a mi very mild form of irritated tendons. But now it's 100%. It took like five weeks, five or six weeks. I never had anything like it. I was, luckily, it was my right hand because I'm left-handed. So, Yeah, it's not good. Shoulders are a weird joint yeah. because shoulders move. They articulate in very strange ways as opposed to like knees, which just bend like a hinge. Yeah. When a shoulder goes bad, it's bad for fighters. It's a real issue oh, for fighters. Yeah. Like, um, they have to get surgery, and they don't fight for a year. It's a long time out. It's a career ender for, for baseball players. Is it really? For pitchers, yeah. Can yeah, I would imagine it'd have to be really s smooth. They're fucking whipping that arm back like yeah. you know, and it's it's really Can pain. they fix that now, or still no? Yeah, they can fix it. But now it's not a career ender anymore. Well, it can be. It's all according to how it's still can be. Uh, how, you know, just like the elbow. Wow, man, it's a it's weird when you you find out there's parts of your body that they can't fix. Like one of the things that I found out when I started to have back issues is they want to start cutting things. They want to start getting in there and and fucking yanking shit out. 
but there's certain things that they, they just can't fix. Like, yeah. they've started to give you artificial discs. They've started to give those to people. Yeah. Like, they have um, they have spacers where these, like, plastic things that they screw in in the place where your, your mushy disc used to be. Uh-huh. And then now they have these titanium rotating discs that they put in your neck. And wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. And some people um, in other countries, they do that, and they don't do it yet in America, I don't believe. So some people who get injured in America go to other countries right. to get your fucking neck cut open, like Germany does it, and England does it. They put a little fake disc well, in it that moves around, screws and so shit. So much is how you get hit, like what, what you break. And like Bo Jackson, remember Bo mm-hmm. Jackson? He was a great baseball and football player. He had a, knee, a hip injury. It was the end of his career. Mm-hmm. That was it. it just he kept playing I, baseball for a little while. He after tried, that. yeah. He was the first one that ever played with an artificial hip, but, I mean, he was never the same. He had so much power. He was able to hit home runs without even over, whatever, turning over. Oh. Like he didn't even totally rotate. He, like he would halfway and rotate. Would, and he would get pissed. He would break a bat yeah. on his leg. You know how fucking hard that is to do? He's a super athlete. That guy, Bo Jackson, could have done anything. If he wanted to go into MMA, he would have been a oh world champion. Oh, my God. He was such a super athlete. And they said he barely worked out. Barely lifted weights. Freak, yeah. Just just was naturally yeah. super strong and just a great athlete. Will Chamberlain was supposed to be like that because I'm from Philly and we always read about him. Oh, I'd imagine. Look at the size of the guy. But he, he was the fastest, too. That's he incredible. He was the fastest guy on his team. He was, you know. Well, you remember when Jordan was in his prime and he would literally fly through the air? Yeah. He would fly. Like, nobody had seen anything like that before. Julius serving. Sort of. The sky hook, right? No, no. That was, the hook was uh, Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, but okay. Julius Irving was the first one that did the uh, from the uh, foul line in the dunk contest. Whoa, really? Jumped from the foul line and dunked. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy that someone could do that. His hands are so fucking big, Joe, that he could palm a record album. What? Can you imagine that? Like he could he put oh a record. Oh my god! Pick that's it up insane. Like that. Yeah, that's insane. Crazy. That's insane. Yeah, imagine if Michael Jordan got into MMA, and was just flying across the fucking cage and <laughs> punching people there. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's levels of athleticism, you know? Yeah. There's like, there's the average guy, and then there's the above average guy, and then there's the guy who's above the above average guy, and then there's a super athlete, and then there's a Michael Jordan, who makes the super athletes yeah. look like Imagine. he's on another level LeBron from LeBron James does, yeah, too. same thing, right? Yeah, you know, an old buddy of mine is Charles Barkley. Uh, you know who he is. Mm-hmm, sure. He, he uh, was telling me, he goes, look at me. He says, I got... My my thighs are thirty two inches. He goes, I got a definite advantage. He goes, look at that little white guy, Scotty Brooks. He, <laughs> he can barely touch the net. <laughs> yeah, there's certain physical advantages that are undeniable. Oh yeah, the idea that all men are created equal is fucking preposterous. No, you could say that the, the human soul is equal, or that you should be equal under the eyes of the law. Yeah, but no, they're not equal. Yeah, you could take all the steroids you want. You never be able to do what Michael Jordan did naturally. No, and you can't practice being six ten. Yeah. That's also a weird thing, isn't it? Where like uh, where, where people talk about like performance enhancing drugs should be illegal. They definitely should, but if they are, that means like the super athletes are always going to have an advantage, uh, just a natural, yeah, undeniable yeah. advantage in speed and power and the ability to move. Well, racial differences make a difference. I mean, because what are you, of, Jimmy the Greek over well, here? No, they do. But I mean, physically, you know, it's incredible. Uh, there has not been a white cornerback. In the in the NFL that I that I remember in the last twenty twenty five years, what the, position? That's discrimination. That's why. No, it's glass ceiling. Quick. They're quicker. No, they're trying to keep the white man down. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dom, you know, 
You come on this podcast, you start spreading black propaganda. It's the same thing every time you're here. <laughs> I hate all minorities, Joe. <laughs> Even white people? Yes. When white people become minority, maybe everybody relax. Yeah. Also, minority talk. No, I don't. It's, it's funny the thing you say about race because on a serious level, these guys can't say anything. No. Like that's what's so funny about Barkley because he's black. He can say stuff. Right. And he says that I know you can't say it, but I'm going to say it, whatever it is, you know? But, yeah, there's a lot of fucking like things that they used to say like on a regular basis. Now they can't even say. So they've had to adjust over the last just few years. Yeah. Oh, well, everything's so politically correct now. And now Sam, that guy Sam, got picked up by the Cowboys. The guy yeah. who came out of the uh, and said he was gay. Yeah. So now he's with a team. So. Well, I heard that he was, according to Jamie, that he's uh, the reason why they picked him up is that the Cowboys, the guy who owns the Cowboys, is into publicity. Oh yeah. I think totally. So. You think so? That's exactly. It. Yeah. He's he's a money making machine. This guy. The Cowboys have been a five hundred team for the last uh, ten years, probably. They haven't won a Super Bowl in twenty years, and they the most. Their most valuable franchise in America. That's incredible. Yeah, that's hard to believe. They have. They're, that they're doesn't worth, even make any sense. They're worth, I think, three point two billion dollars. <laughs> Why? How come they don't have to win? <laughs> they don't have to win because their publicity. First of all, they're called America's team. You know who named them that? The owner themselves. Yeah, the owner. Mm. It's a guy named Te Tex Graham. But America's team, they got the star and the glitter and the fucking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it the Dallas Cowboys and the dude's name's Tex? Yeah, this, this, he his wins. name was Tex Graham. He wins. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's dead now, but he was the one that created that image. Whatever happened to that show you used to do for Comedy Central? That was a funny show. You used to do like a show with football players. Yeah, it was called Offsides. Well, what happened to it was the timing was bad. You know, if Comedy Central was as big as they are now, they could have afforded more. But NFL Films was so fucking expensive that they just had to lift it. We had good ratings. But it just wasn't, you know, they, the, the, their their footage cost so much for us to get. And I had so much fun with the players because they knew I wasn't a journalist. So they were like, I, I get, uh, you know, Brett Farvis. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Reggie White was their star of their team. And he said, he recognized me. He goes, man, I saw you on Oprah. And I said, I can't picture you sitting there with a Kleenex box going, I can't believe these two sisters never met before they were 21. You know? <laughs> Why is it Oprah? You know? So uh, Reggie wanted to do a thing with me. He liked doing impressions. So Favre was, was you know, the second biggest star on the team. And he comes up to me and goes, what are you doing? I said, we're doing a football show for Comedy Central. You want to do it? He says, well, what do I got to do? I said, just, you know, fuck, fuck around. You know, it's, I'm not a journalist. We'll just have fun. So I could see he was a little, had some trepidations about it. I thought I was going to maybe lay into him. Or, but I said to him, so I'm fucking this girl in the ass, right? I mean, I'm holding it down. I'm fucking banging it. No rubber, no nothing. I ain't no pussy. And he starts laughing. He goes, are you allowed to say this? I go, we're not on satellite, man. I'm just trying to make you laugh. And then he got loose, and then, he, then we had a great interview. <laughs> when... When you did that, like, was the NFL in the same position it's at now? Was it just as popular? Still, yeah. NFL's never dwindled, right? No, it's gotten bigger and bigger. But it's bigger really, now. It was the big football is by far the most. I mean, I I don't know about NASCAR, but in the, of the regular like athletic sports, mm -hmm. football is a, you know football is so fucking big. High school football, college football. You know? Yeah, I think NASCAR is the biggest spectator sport, right? Isn't it? I think well, that's they, what I've heard. Don't they have places like where they have 200,000 people or something absurd? Well, you know what happens? Yeah, there's that. But you know what also happens is that like when you go down south, everybody knows about NASCAR. 
Yeah. Like, I was on the radio once in Atlanta, and they just started talking to me about right. this. Going, Kyle Waldrop and Neil Digger and this guy, I'm a hand. Yeah. They did bringing up all these names I never even heard of. This guy yeah. won the Talladega. <laughs> and I, I literally, and I go, so what are you talking about? And they're like, we're talking about NASCAR. You don't follow NASCAR? Yeah. This guy does not follow NASCAR? Like, it was so alien to them that I didn't yeah. know who any of those guys were. It's I heard just... about Dale Earnhardt. What about Dale Earnhardt? Is he still doing it? You know, like you hear like certain names like will escape from that world. And I mean, I only know Tony Stewart because he was the guy that accidentally apparently killed that driver that got out of the car. You see that? Yeah, that was fucked. That oh, was man. crazy. What the fuck was he thinking? To get the out driver of the got, well, Tony Stewart apparently clipped him with his car and spun him out. And he was only 20. He's a hot-headed 20-year-old. Yeah, but got getting out, out of that, you know, jeez. Amazing that Tony Stewart's going to race again. He did. That's that's nuts. He raced again on. He came in like forty first. He came in. He Probably raced. checking it real slow, huh? Yeah. You can't be a dick after yeah, you well, run somebody over. Imagine well. if he just fucking balls the wall, clipping everybody now. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> or what if he's just a very safe driver now? He's like giving proper yeah. turn singles. He's like, I'm going. Turn Is that a normal racetrack? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a normal uh, position for him to be in? Fortieth place? No, no. He's usually up there at the top. I mean, wow. I don't know that much about it. But. So I bet he did try to take it slow, probably. Probably oh, yeah. a real mind fuck, man. I it's couldn't like imagine. A it's like Boom Boom Mancini after he killed Dooku Kim. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, he, the, the guy shouldn't have been fighting. Mm -hmm. But Raymond was never the same after that. No, no, he wasn't. It's it's one of those things, man. It's it's hard for guys. It's it's hard to also, you know, for a boxer, you're dealing with your own mortality too. Oh, yeah, you know, that's uh. <sighs> That's that's the fight that changed fighting from 15 rounds to 12. Did it? Yeah. yeah. He died in the 13th, I believe. He, you know, he had uh, bleeding on his brain before he got uh, got in the ring. How do they know that? That's what I, I read. I don't know. They said that, that they had whatever. He, he shouldn't have been fighting. Hmm. The guy, you know. Well, I know that he was cutting weight. And that was also, I think, back when they would weigh in the day of the fight. But now they know more about weight cutting because... Mancini was a lightweight, so that was 135 pounds. Um, and I think that uh, I think that fight took place as a lightweight fight, I believe. He fought Livingstone Bramble. He fought a lot of great fighters. He Alexis did. Arguello. He came to see me at the Improv one night, and uh, we went out to talk, and his wife and his kid were watching a show. And some guy comes up to us, and he goes, Boom, boom, Mancini. He goes, can I ask you something? Will you hit me? Right, and and I said to the guy, I said, look, uh, you know, I said I can't hit you. You know, Raymond's a really nice guy. Did you ever meet him? Um, said hi to him. Really never, good, never really, really had down a conversation there. with him. You know, Youngstown, Ohio, like real cool guy, and did it all for his father. Great story. And I said, look, man, he can't hit you. You know, like Raymond's like, he's, and they said, well, can I hit you then? To oh, to, to Raymond, I said, no, you can't fucking hit him. What are you crazy? Can I hit you? <laughs> you wanna, he said. He said. I always wanted to see what like a professional punch felt like. Oh God! Like the fuck. I like to give him an amateur punch. Well, not only that, dummy. The guy's got to wrap his fucking hands and then put gloves on, then punch you. Other, you could break his hand. Well, of course, with the force that they hit. Yeah, you could easily break your hand on someone's forehead. He's lucky he didn't say that to Vinnie Curto. Vinnie would have probably punched him. Oh God, Joe! <laughs> I did a great thing with Vinnie one time. Did I ever tell you this? What? I don't know. Uh, bring Tell it him, to me bring first. Him up. I brought him up. Okay. We had a crazy fucking nut cocaine head that lived upstairs. And they would oh, fuck. Oh, you did tell they, me this. Yeah. They would fuck. And then you hear the shower. 
And it's like five in the morning. And I, I stay up late, but after a while, like he, I just said to him once, can you turn the music down just a little? That's all. Nice, you know. Next day, Kim's window was broken in her car. I knew he fucking did it. So I go get Vinny. And Vinny looked like a fucking, you know, incredibly fucking gorilla, just killer. Caveman, 100%. And I, I, I get I get a kick out of him. I like the guy personally. But uh, he, he did me a favor. He come, we go up, and it was like, good guy, bad guy thing. And the he, he, kid opened the door, and the kid goes, what? And I go, hey, man, I just want to ask you. And he sees Vinny, and then he changed completely. And he goes, uh, you know, uh, uh, my I just wanted to tell you that there, you know, somebody broke a window, and as your neighbor, I want to warn you that there's somebody around here, so just look out for yourself. And I'm totally not really meaning right, this. Right, right, right. And Vinny goes, this is my fucking cousin. He goes, I love him like a brother. He goes, if, when, I, when anybody does fucks with Dom, I get these fucking headaches. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> and the kid's going, and the guy goes, no, no, man, I certainly didn't do it. He goes, oh, who the fuck accused you of doing it? Why would you say that? And, then, <laughs> right? and he goes, Vinny said, I sleep on his couch in the afternoon. Make sure there's no fucking noise. I'll go fucking crazy. And that was, you know. And then it stopped the noise, stopped everything. Yeah, stopped everything. <laughs> then he'd see him at the gym. He'd see Vinny pressing 500 pounds at the gym. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? How's your cousin? You know? <laughs> That's the problem with living in apartments. Yeah. I had a guy that lived below me that asked me not, I, I had a pool table. In my living room i bought this pool table uh, and i rented this apartment specifically because it had a place for the pool table this is the place that i lived in uh when i when i had to stay in la the, the first right. place i moved in north hollywood you signed the lease yeah i signed the lease and that's what made me uh stay and that's the reason why i got all everything news radio everything but i i got this it was a it was a loft and it had this big living room and I was like, I could definitely, like, I measured it out. I could definitely get a pool table in here. I'll take it. I tell the guy this. The fucking landlord shows it to me. I'm looking for a place at the pool table. He was below me. So, the landlord? Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, not the landlord, but the superintendent oh, okay. or whatever it is. The right. guy the guy who showed me the place. Wasn't the actual landlord. What are they called? Superintendents? Someone, yeah. yeah. So he's this, this gay guy. He's really flamboyant gay guy with his boyfriend. And um he after I put the pool table in, he knocks on the door and he goes, uh, "We're having an issue with you walking around." I go, "You're having an issue with me walking? Just walking?" He goes, "Well, the floor creaks. I hear you walking." What are you supposed to do? I go, "Okay, well, what do you want me to do?" And he goes, "Well, between the hours of five p.m. and ten p.m., could you just not not do that?" I go, "So you're asking me not to walk in the living room? I'm not even doing anything. I'm just <laughs> right. walking." And he goes, "He goes, oh, so I see how the game we're going to play here." I go, the game we're going to play. I go, you, what you're telling me is the structural integrity of the apartment that you rented me is not good enough for me to actually be walking, just walking in the living room between a, a five-hour window every night when you get home to when you go to bed. That's what you want. Uh, he goes, yeah. I go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's just crazy. You can't say don't walk. I go, what if I just walk around my pool table if I don't play? I just walk in the living room. <laughs> Like if I have people over and they want to walk around, look out the window. Yeah, you just have to roll or scoot. I'll, how about I put a webcam over? You can tell when I'm walking and when I'm just when I'm playing pool, so you can't get mad at me. That's fucking have, apartments, man. How did you settle? I kept playing pool. Fuck him. Yeah, I had a guy uh, wouldn't let me do the treadmill, and I, <laughs> and I told him I said I'll do it any time that you're not there, just to I'll compromise anything. I moved it for him. Yeah, you were killing me. You were killing my wife. Uh, you know, I, said, <laughs> I said, who the fuck invited you in this country? Go back to wherever Whoa, the fuck you came from. Tom, I can't believe you took it there. 
Oh, yeah, well, I hated the guy. Why'd you have to go to the immigrant place? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who brought you to this country? <laughs> Get the fuck back. Yeah, who made you gay? <laughs> Well, this the guy, like, when he said that to me, like, oh, I see the game we're playing. I was like, okay, there's no negotiating with you. You're a ridiculous person. I probably thought about it. Like, probably didn't play as much. Yeah, but it takes the fun out of it. Then you got to worry about some fucking nut downstairs. It wasn't, it's, the crazy thing was, it wasn't loud. It wasn't like I moved around. I heard, <laughs> I didn't hear anything yeah. while I was walking. I right. didn't hear shit. I've been in that situation where you hear every single footstep, and they had to end up putting carpet just to fix it. Well, I had a carpet already. It was already carpeted. So it was just but the, It was just a shitty building, because yeah. the lady next door to me, super nice lady, but she would be on her phone, and I would hear every fucking word she said. Like, I was yeah, listening in on- me. It was like, there's no insulation in California. That's the, the, the difference between apartments on the East Coast and apartments on the West Coast is those, those fiberglass insulation or the stuff that they pump into the walls to keep retain heat. Right. They don't need that out here. So you got wallboard, yeah. stud, wallboard. You basically got a fucking notebook between you and some person who's talking like some pretty intimate shit. Every time she would get a phone call, I would hear her voice, her answering machine go on, and I would hear friends leave her messages. That's not good. That was ridiculous. I always think about that if I'm watching porn and they hear it next door. You turn it up really loud. Only when the guy that. comes. <laughs> I stopped caring. There'd be, there, there was just too many times where I'm just masturbating in my office and look over, notice my windows open. There's two people fencing in my backyard. I'm like, oh, you guys know. fencing. Yeah, they just fence all day. Who fences in your neighborhood my neighbors, now? My neighbors dress up as pirates and, and goth people and fence. <laughs> 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 Fucking Burbank, man. <laughs> Fucking white people in Burbank, they're fencing in your yeah. backyard. They make their own costumes, though. It's pretty badass, but... They do? Yeah. They're, I mean, but very glamorous, <laughs> like like they're kings and stuff, but pirates. What? I don't know. <laughs> so do they do, like, a part of a festival or something? I think they must work at Universal or something. Oh, so they're practicing their trade. Maybe. Hmm. But they also have those sewing things on, like, or those, like... Things where you sew on in their windows, like when you walk by, they're just like look like people are just standing there. Oh, like mannequins, like yeah, those mannequins the you make dress ones. ones. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. <laughs> I guess they make a lot of clothes. Yeah, they it's do. The economical way, if you're going to play dress up, make your own shit. It's probably more satisfying. It's probably what we were talking about eating your the food that you kill. Right. Extra satisfying when you're out there at fucking Comic Con with an outfit that you created yourself. <laughs> We were in Sacramento this past week, and I did uh, the punchline. You ever do the punchline, Sacramento? Long time ago. Oh, what a great fucking Is club! It? Oh, I love it. Perfect club, perfect size, bar in the back, low ceiling, tight seated. Oh, we had so much fun there. But uh, while we were in town, it was there for the UFC, and there was uh, some sort of an anime convention, like some sort of a dress up mm -hmm. dork fest. Yeah. It was hilarious. Lair. Just what's that? Lair. 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 What is that? The convention. What's Lair? This shit. What? The, Is that the thing that I was watching in Sacramento? Maybe. How do you know? Are you just making shit up? That's not <laughs> what they were doing. You're wrong. 100%. They were dressing like anime characters, you fuck. He's just, that's what Jamie's into. He's like, hey, pay attention to what I'm into. How about this? How about Renaissance Fair? We're not talking about Renaissance Fair, Jamie. <laughs> Lair. This must be it. Get the fuck out of here. There's a hundred million of those things. I love it, though. It's cool because dorks get an opportunity. 
They get an opportunity to hang out with other dorks, get outside, get a little vitamin oh, D. Oh, the Renaissance Fair? And all that? Any of these things. Yeah. Well, this is an anime thing because right. people were dressed up like superheroes and some mm-hmm. people were dressed up like furries. There was like a lot of weirdness going that, on. That came out of Japan, right? Furries? No, the anime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, anime is just pretty much Japan animation in their right. style. You ever perform in Japan, Dom? The, your people? No. He's an Eskimo. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not funny. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> you knew me when my eyes were open. I knew you back in the day. Well, I got a picture of Joey Diaz that I'm going to put on Instagram later today. I got his headshot that I found in my office that I used to have on the wall. It's from, he was like 210, 220 pounds. It's crazy. Can't believe it's the same guy. What's he weighing now? It depends on how high he is when you ask him. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, dog. He used to go on stage, and he would talk on stage. He goes, listen, dog, I'm 45 years old. I got no time for this bullshit. I'm 50 years old. I got no time. Like in the same set, he would give you three or four different ages. Remember when through the fat blob? He's like, don't talk about it. It's just my little thing. It's just a little fat ball. Yeah, he had a, a thing that he had to get removed from his like shoulders. It was like, like a, another head. Weird. It was weird. Yeah. He told me he just had I love that guy. Bridge. I fucking love that guy. I oh, love I him to too. death. He's so much fun. There's no more fun guy to be around. Like, like when you bring him to shows, like everybody's funnier. The, the, the show's funnier. The comics on the show are funnier. You're funnier backstage. Everybody's funnier. I love him too. I wear, He's I the wear best. The ice house with him. We co-headline a couple of times. What a blast. So much fun. I told you what he said to me, right? What? <clears throat> I said, Joe, I don't care who goes on first or second, whatever you want. He goes, Don Marrera, tell you what. Why don't you close the first shows and I'll close the second so you don't have to follow a fucking pig like me? <laughs> and then you could do it. And then you can do the laugh factory if you want. I said, Zoe, you not only do me a favor, you right, you get me spots at other clubs. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. He is. His his podcast is doing fantastic too. And I, that's one of the things that I really love about the internet that um, you know a guy like Joey could be Joey. He would uh, never. No one would ever understand him. Unless you saw him in the uncensored form, like on this podcast, oh, so you'd never he, understand. Or kept, his podcast, he kept dosing that kid, that, his no, engineer. He still does that. Who? He still does that. He gave him Who? mushrooms the other day. He gives him stuff. He doesn't tell him. <laughs> Who? Joey. Joey. Uh, what kid? Uh, the flying Jew. Uh, Who? His, his little friend that always hangs. Oh, out. what is his name? Lee. Lee. Yeah. He doses him? Yeah, he keeps dosing him like fucking, like roofing him. Well, he's not fucking him. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> if you're around Joey, you know not to eat any of his shit. He dosed Burt Kreischer's dad. I know. <laughs> he gave Burt Kreischer's dad edible weed. It's crazy. And Burt's like, what are you doing? And, he, and, he's, and he's like, his dad is like, oh, I'm just eating some candy that Joey gave me. He goes, that's not candy. I mean, it's candy, but it's not just candy. <laughs> Forget about it. Don't worry about Joey. Listen, cocksucker, your dad's got to live. Got to live. Yeah, he's he's Tom Segura has a fucking hilarious story about the same thing that I said about getting high with Joey on the plane where he's just throwing down these chiba juice. <laughs> that jo- Joey in the middle of a panic attack like ate another chiba juice. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck, man. He goes deep. He's one of the funniest people I know. He's back Naturally. at the comedy store. Yeah. He said that it's been a good challenge, that, that he forgot how, how that room was, you know, when you're on stage. It's well, like, they don't know you're there. Yeah. You don't, they don't know you're, you're coming. there for Joey. Yeah. 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 It's a different kind of a groove. You know, you got to develop material that, like, you set it up differently. You got to introduce it differently because they're not expecting you to be, like, this raucous, crazy, you know, giant Cuban guy who's done a, a ton of coke in his life. You know what I mean? They don't know what, to, what, what he's doing. 
they just see a guy on stage and then they have to slowly but surely be introduced to his ideas. What's going on there where they're, they're trying to stop people from smoking weed? We're at the comedy store? Is that true? Yeah, there's I, I a rumor that uh, that that might be true. How can you stop people but, from but smoking not, weed? But not the management. Like, you know, where are you going to stop them? They could just go hide in the back. That sounds like the dumbest idea ever. That's like telling football players to stop doing steroids. Yeah. That's so stupid. Yeah. Ridiculous. The comedy star? What are you going to do? Stop him from drinking too? Well, it's just one no. person that wants to do it. And then he's oh, no. not. I mean, that's ridiculous. Does oh. he have power? That one person? No. I, I doubt oh, it. Who is it? I have no idea. Oh. His name rhymes with Pauly Shore. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't go there anymore. I'm just talking out of my ass. You're not going to go now? I don't care. No, I don't think so. I can't. I talked to Scotty. Scotty Shore is my buddy. I talked yeah. to him when I was down in San Diego. I was like, just say, I just too much of a bad feeling about that place. I love when you come in for breaking balls. I love doing it's your fun. show. Your yeah. show, The Laugh Factory. See, The Laugh Factory doesn't have any negative feeling to me, especially now. You know, now it seems like there's like a whole new crew there. It's a kind of a different, yeah. different sort of a vibe there. But, but you, if you go to the comedy store, every, especially everyone that you've met through Desk, well, like Justin Martindale, Tony, Jeremiah, you, they're just everywhere now. And they're, it's all positive. It's like that huge yeah. family. And when somebody from the outside comes in, it's like a whole family looking at that person. Yeah, but that person that comes in doesn't want you smoking weed, and I'm going to smoke weed if I go to the comedy store. Well, we all do it. What if you, what if you get banned from smoking weed? I have a license. I can no, you can't just you can't say I have a you license. Can smoke at the lab I can factory. smoke at your house. Well, you know, you weed. well upstairs when we, you know, when it's private, just the axe. Really? You let you smoke inside upstairs? Well, he doesn't. Yeah, I just like blowing yeah. it down all those people. Get the show better. There's <laughs> glass now in between, so oh. they don't hear you. you don't, yeah, that's only, a great thing. Yeah. the way he's got it set up up there. Yeah, that's it's a like, sweet thing. Other than when they're in between shows, like Friday and Saturday with the two shows. It's it's basically a club for the acts. Mm. We can relax well, up there. I don't mind going there. I, you know, I, I like the Laugh Factory when I do it with you. It's got a good vibe. You know. Oh, I love it. I love especially with you. Thanks. We have fun. I, I always have fun with the interview. Yeah, if you ever seen Breaking Balls with Dom Herrera, he does a show. He fucks around with the audience, does material, then brings up a comic, and then fucks around with the comic in between, and then brings up the next comic. Really? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Because, you know, Don, you're, you're at your best. Well, I wouldn't say you're at your best. You're always, I mean, you're always funny on stage. But I, I love the particular type of funny when you're just fucking around. That's, that's what I like, too. Yeah, like when we did the uh, Kill Tony show yeah. at the Ice House. Yeah, we were crying. Laughing. Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. That was, that was really, really, really fun. And for those comics, to get a guy like you fucking with them and, you know, <laughs> talking about their material. I mean, a lot of those guys, it was the first time they ever went on stage. That's Ma amazing. Imagine that, the first yeah. time you ever go on stage and you get a guy who's been doing comedy forever, who's been on HBO, a legend in comedy, and he's critiquing your act. That's, that's, he's busting your balls. That's as good as you could ever hope for. I mean, that's a beautiful moment. The idea of Kill Tony is a great idea. That should be a Comedy Central show. You should totally sell that shit. It is Comedy a great Central. idea. It's a great idea. Comics do a minute, you know? Yeah. It's and it's especially fun. When we did it at the Ice House because the Ice House has such a good feeling to it. Well, that know? room is perfect. Yeah, there's the two belly rooms. Room's good, just like the belly room. Yeah, about the same size amount of seats, right? Belly room's like a hundred seats, ninety seats. So is that room with the the Ice House has an annex. They have a big room, which is not a big room anyway. The big room is only like a hundred ninety. 180, 190, something yeah. like that. And then they have the smaller room, which is only about 80 or 90, and it's fucking amazing. 
Yeah. I like the main room. I think that's my favorite room because that's barely ever used. It was, and it used to be such a famous room. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, when like, I started there, they used to room. sell three three Saturday night shows out. Yeah. But the main room, late at night, when there's only like 10 people in the room, oh it's God. fucking sad. Yeah. No, no, unless it's like Brody Stevens or something oh, like yeah. that. Sometimes. I, could, I, I, I prefer those where it's just him. I was in the main room once, back in the Joey Diaz days, where Joey Diaz had uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff the Piano Man? Mm -hmm. He had Jeff play Ozzy Osbourne, and he got on stage and took his shirt off, and he's singing War Pigs. He's singing it. Joey Diaz is singing <laughs> it on stage, and it was fucking one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life, because he's completely committed to it. He had no shirt on, and the audience is... Maybe there was four audience members, and the rest of the audience was all comics. Right. We were all just hanging out, and Joey Diaz is on stage, and they're fucking with the lights. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Jeff. It was the other guy who did the 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 main room. Mike. Fuck. Is that his name? Mike, Mike the guy with the glasses. Yeah. Yes, great dude. Who was in a band? No, the guy. He didn't have glasses. He was in a band. You remember that guy? He's like, what's up, dude? Hey, dude. Yeah, he's still there. he's still there. What's his name? Uh, shit. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I got the wrong guy. I was talking about Mike, who was the manager who played piano. No, 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 no. I know who you're talking about. The guy who handled the sound and the, the shit. No, it's not Jeff. Danny? Danny. 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 Oh. Danny. So Danny's playing uh, War Pigs, you know? And, uh, and Joey Diaz is on stage screaming the lyrics to it, <laughs> along with the sound that's coming over the loudspeaker, which is actually, you know, Ozzy. And they're doing, like, the different colored lights, like Joey's on stage. And I just sat back, and we were all barbecued we we're all completely baked out of our mind i sat back and laughed and we were all just clapping and just it was such a pure performance oh, that's great because he wasn't trying to impress anybody there was no one there to see him there was no audience it was just us having fun and like like i said maybe four people in the crowd yeah. maybe yeah that's some shit that only takes place at the comedy store I thought, that's why i love it yeah. you know that's it feels like you're just hanging out with your friends getting wasted you know and having fun and getting and it's just playing around and you know doing silly shit and you would think because it's the comedy store that it would be packed all the time it's got this you can't name. get a better location no you can't it's got this name you know like when i was a uh, an open micer we had heard about the comedy store it was like mecca it was like, I had always wanted to be at the comedy store. You know, to me, like, getting, becoming a paid regular at the comedy store was more important than getting my first television show. That's interesting, yeah. Because it was, it was, that was the spot. Well, that was, that was where the, Kinnison yeah. came from. That was yeah. where Pryor came from. They all started at the comedy store. So when I was there and you would, I would show up, the first time I was there, it wasn't even half full. Like I was there at the in the OR and like some terrible act was on stage, some fucking singing nothing, some buzz, blah, buzz, ah, it was <laughs> dog shit. And I remember going, "This is the comedy store. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like, yeah. this is this place. Should, I would expect it to be like when you see live in the Sunset Strip, like a line around the block. The who's who of Hollywood's there. The greatest comics in the world are all uh, going up. Nope, it was like that when I first went out. What year was that? Eighty five. Was like that? Was it like that? Was the Kinnison days, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I first went there and uh, I used to go on right before Sam at the end. Wow. Um, we became friends. A lot of a lot of laughs. A lot of a lot of fucking laughs. Did you ever do blow with them? What's that? Did you ever do blow with them? No, I thought you said did you ever blow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Did he ever offer it to you? No, nah, he knew me. You know, he knew I wasn't. See, the thing about Sam and I, we could be friends, but I'm not a follower. Right. And I don't want to be a leader either, but i just rather just hang and... You know, I was I was not, I would never be part of his entourage. Yeah, he had a whole cult of following, yeah, right? Yeah, the outlaws. Yeah. And but we had a lot of fun together. I mean, he we had a lot of laughs. I was always glad when he was there. You know, I I passed the first time I I, I auditioned there, and then she forgot me. So then uh, I then I I had to audition again. You know. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. To, it was amazing. You know, because I remember when Roseanne couldn't get on in the main room. You know? She couldn't get on. She couldn't get a spot in the main room. When, what year was this? In 85 she couldn't? I thought she was already huge in 85. No, she was probably later than 85. Yeah, I always heard that right when she moved here, she got a show the same day. Yeah, she I mean, she was giant. No, she no? didn't get it. No, look, I remember working in Vegas with her, and she uh, couldn't get on. She was get, she, she, All she wanted was a spot in the first show main room. Wow. That was the money spots, because that's when we, we'd all make four or $500, which was a lot then, you know. Right, right, being right. in town. <laughs> I used to make, well, I started out at the comedy store in Hawaii. I, I went, I had a very circuitous route to. The comedy store in Hawaii? I did the Hawaii one with Barry Sobel and Carrie Snow. Then I went to, uh, I went to La Jolla, did well there, went to Vegas and that went well. And then I went, then, and so I didn't really start doing the comedy store until I had done like the tour. Wow. Isn't that weird? They had a Westwood one, too, right? Was yeah, it Westwood but I was, that Brentwood? was a little before my time, Westwood. It was on Westwood <clears> Avenue. And the Westwood one was where Kinnison really like started out. That's where he really like developed, yeah. apparently. And I took a friend of mine who's a priest. It was the reason I went in to see the, the room, and Sam was on. And my friend's hair was back standing up. I said, it's not always like this. You know? <laughs> Especially back then. Nobody knew who Sam was, and nobody saw that no. coming. Oh, it was fucking incredible. Incredible energy. Yeah, that um, the comedy store had a whole like series of clubs, and now they're down to two. How many were there? Like, And they were all con same people owned them? Well, there was... Uh, all Mitzi, yeah. Yeah. Well, not the same people, the same one person. All right. Yeah. Mitzi used to make a lot of money in Vegas, man. Yeah. Why don't they have... Well, obviously now it's a mess, but it's, I would think the comedy store in Vegas would be a no-brainer. Yeah. You know? What happened to the original one? <clears throat> they uh, should have... They, 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 they raised it because uh, the Bellagio bought it out. That's where the Bellagio is now. Hmm. I would think that um, that would be a no-brainer for a franchise. I mean, improvs are all over the country. It's amazing that the comedy store never. Yeah, the improv really knew, like knew how to franchise it, and, ja and Jamie's doing it too. Yeah, yeah, with Chicago and Vegas, right? You were just in the Laugh Factory. I would events, take you right? to Chicago with me. I'm going there in October. Buddy, I give you two dollar to do a full weekend, but you'll be at Laugh Factory. <laughs> it's a lot of he, money for well, Laugh Factory. He really offer you shit money. Uh, yeah. Allegedly, we're on the air. Allegedly, we're on the air. Allegedly, he got a bad deal. Allegedly, oh, no, no, they fixed it. I have no, I have no tact. Nope. <laughs> That's what makes you funny. If you had tact, it would get in the way of a lot of good jokes. Thank you, Joseph. You would, right? Yeah. Tact would fucking. How much did he offer you? Hey, hey easy, Dominic. On, yeah. what? what did we do over here? We just got done smoothing out your mess. <laughs> now you got a new mess. <laughs> I didn't know herpes could move to the butt. I you think were talking about earlier that herpes. Think could that <laughs> shut the fuck up. I think <laughs> that um, Mitzi like had an issue with like the idea of franchising because they had to be comedy store comics, and if you'd franchise, 
at a certain point in time, you yeah, thin you, it down. You need more. Well, you need 365 days a year. You know, she would have yeah. a seven-night-a-week show. And 365 days a year, good comics, and you're flying them out to Louisville, Kentucky. Good luck. It's no one's going to do a week. No. I mean, this Vegas clubs, like, they used to do that at the Riv, right? You would do Monday through Sunday. You'd do the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to you'd have to stay for seven days. Like I would get calls from buddies. Yeah, they didn't make me do that. I did Thursday through Sunday. I just, just did Friday and Saturday. I did the late night shows because I couldn't do the regular show at the Riv. I could only do I remember their that. extreme I remember show. That. Yeah, that yeah. Extreme. The warning. Yeah, the extreme. The, you and Slayton. Yeah. Thank God. I would. I couldn't do it. I can't. I can't do Vegas for more than a couple of days. I love Vegas for a Fucking couple of days. It was killing me. How many days did you do this past one? Uh, four. But I went in early and I came came back late. And so I, Wednesday through Monday or something like that. Yeah, that that's when I because I didn't want to fly in the heat. Right. I wanna, like go to the air. I can't fucking take that that 110 degrees. <laughs> Very delicate artist. What's your favorite place to work in Vegas? Uh oh God, that's a bad. See, that's that's a bad question. Is a bad question? Why? Because you just work for Jamie. You don't want to tell the truth. Well, you know, it was Packed. fun. Like, I tell you, it was fun. It was a fucking great job. It was I opened for Cher for years in the early 90s. We did the Mirage. The Mirage is great. They used to call me Easy Money because I would be at the sports book, and this is when I could still fucking jump. I'd hop over to fucking rail just at a minute to eight because everything starts on time there. Boom, I'd fucking slide across the stage, do my two twenty-five minutes, and I'd go in the back, and the crew would be fucking with me. They'd have a chair and a towel and water. You okay, easy money? <laughs> I'm all right, guys. I almost did 26 tonight. I went crazy. <laughs> that was a fun game. You say hop over the sports book. Were you betting? Yeah. So you'd gamble up until the moment you're supposed to go on stage, and then you'd run in well, there? I wasn't a big gambler, but yeah, I would bet on games and stuff. I like to watch it. I like it to stretch out. I don't want to put everything on black and then leave a fucking loser. Well, if you, especially like if you're a sports fan, it makes the game more exciting, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it makes everything. I mean, that's what I love about betting football. Like, like with pro football starting tomorrow night, I fucking love it. I love the over-under. You know what the over-under is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that because, especially if you're rooting for the over- because you're rooting for everybody. It's all positive. Like the under is all negative. Don't drop that pa- drop that pass. Get that motherfucker. You know, it's like, <laughs> but the over is fun. Yeah, positive betting is better than negative betting. Yeah. There's a, th- a cheer sometimes in Vegas if you watch a boxing match. They'll have an over-under on how many rounds. A oh, lot right. of people bet that. And then it'll hit the fifth round and everybody goes, yeah. Right. Like there's a, a roar in the crowd. Yeah, like, uh, and I think it was Larry Merchant that actually brought it up once during a broadcast. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the reason why these people are cheering yeah, yeah. is because they gambled on it. Yeah, there's a lot of proposition bets like that. Like, you could bet a bunch of fights, parlay, put them all together. If you get them all right, you yeah, get some yeah. insane amount of money. Never, uh, Aubrey is a big gambler. He, he always gambles in Vegas. He's never hit that shit yet. He's gotten close, though. It's always one shit judge's decision fucks you up. I can't get into it. Gambling on fights? Gambling on anything. Why not? Even slot machines and all that stuff, it's just for fun. It's not really like I'm addicted to it or cards, nothing betting. It's probably good. Yeah. It's probably good that you don't do that. Yeah, I just don't like Oh, it. shit, it just hit me. I realized what? my favorite club to work in Vegas, Brad Garrett's <laughs> club, because I'm working there in October. I can't believe it just hit me. It used to Did be my forget? favorite club was the Tropicana, but now it's Brad Garrett's. <laughs> I can't... I well, just had a memory loss there for, for a real? second. For real? A real yeah. memory loss? You always talk about Brad Garrett's. I was waiting for you to bring it up. I was no, wondering why. I thought great. you were out of reverence to Jamie. 
Well, it's, it gets Buddy, my hey, Brad club knows is I work for better, buddy. Buddy, my club is better. You got to see his club with these fucking chicks. They're so Which hot. one? Brad Garrett? Oh, my God. They got, did you ever Why don't it? you book a weekend when I'm there for a UFC? I would love to. Brad Garrett's we'll at MGM, right? How often? Uh, yeah, yeah, downstairs, the MGM. It looks nice. I've, I've passed by it. I've never performed there. Well, we did that once. Remember, we had uh, a couple times I was there for your uh, your fights. Yes, yes, but I'm, I never got to see you at Brad Garrett's, though. <clears throat> um, there's a bunch of UFCs coming up. All right, so well, look uh, at the dates. You know, how often do you go to, to Vegas? How often do you do it? Three, three or four times a year. What about January? You got anything booked in January? Not yet. The weekend of January 2nd. That's the weekend the UFC is going to be in Vegas. Really? A lot of great fights, too. Oh, I, yeah. can, I think I could do that. Let's do it, Dom! Let's do it. Well, and you can come during the day. You can see the fights start at 4. Oh, so you could watch the fights from like, what's the first show at 8? There's only one show. What time is it? I don't know. If you get them to do it at 10, that's the I shit. Dom. <laughs> Uh, get them to do it at 10. You can see all the fisticuffs, then get over there with ample time. And then eat mushrooms at 11. What is it? It's at, it's at the MGM? Sometimes. Sometimes at Mandalay Bay, sometimes MGM. Those are the only two places. I, I was at the Palm one time. Uh, yeah, they used to do it at the Palm. They don't do it at the yeah. Palm anymore. <laughs> Dana White, uh, he gambles too much, and he, he broke them. He fucking really? smashed the Palm. Yeah. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he smashed them. They banned them. When they banned them, he pulled the UFC out, and he started doing uh, the smaller events at the Hard Rock. Wait, he was winning? Oh yeah! Wow, he wins. He wins big money. He bet. He loses big money, but he gambles big money. He gets oh. crazy, like a million dollars a night. Wow! Oh my god! Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know how you could do that and like keep a pulse and not fucking it scares me. Sweat all your blood out. <laughs> it just seems like uh, it just seems like I would if I lost a million dollars in a night, I would totally quit. But he's won like five or six million. Because it's in a not night. really gambling. You know what gambling is. If you have a play, a guy who's better, equal to you in pool, and you play pool, that's gambling, right? But you're not, you know, these fucking casinos wouldn't have crystal chandeliers if people were really gambling. Every, the odds are set against them. They definitely are set against you, but if you're good at certain games like blackjack, yeah, there's a more of a level field. I mean, certain things are fucking ridiculous. Slot machines, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. they plus they're rigged. It's not even like it's a machine. Yeah. Like they they set them. They can set them to yeah, be easier can, or right. harder. Like, they can decide whether or not you're going to win or lose. Like, they could set it so it's one person wins a month, you know? I like and video it, poker. Do you? Yeah, because you sit there, you get the drinks. And <laughs> <laughs> nobody, hey, nobody, you don't annoy anybody. Like, blackjack, it's, it's always like, get your hands off the table, sir. Not you know, only that, if you bet wrong. crazy, people get pissed at you. I've heard people say that. Like, if, you, if you're playing blackjack at a bad table and someone doesn't know what they're doing, they fuck up the hand. Yeah, like, yeah. How could they fuck? I mean, I see what they're saying, but that's a weird way of looking at it. That they fuck up your hand. Like, what kind of a whack ass game are you playing, where someone else making shitty decisions affects you? They affect the card count. Yeah. They make the you know, whatever. The um, craps too. I don't even understand that fucking game. That that game's ridiculous. You got to know too much. Yeah, G Richard Jenny used to have a bit about craps. It's a fucking funny bit too. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About how uh, he doesn't like uh, certain games. Because uh, like he 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 likes games where nobody knows what the fuck is going on. That's what you know. He had this whole thing about craps. It's a funny bit, man. Uh, that I, he did that bit like on the Tonight Show. I think I never saw that. I used to love his ref bit. Let's see if we can find it. See see if you can find Richard Jenny on craps, and we'll we'll end with this out of respect for our late friend, Mister Jenny. Well, He's a guy we've talked about a hundred times on the on the podcast. That uh, he doesn't get enough respect. Fucking great stand-up. Oh, yeah, man. When he was when he was the best. 
when he like in the, the late eighties ish, somewhere around there, like eighty eight, eighty nine, he was one of the best, one of the best in the country. Just did, but didn't get that sort of like the same respect like well, you know Kinnison did. I or, think I think Rich is brilliant. I don't think he had the charisma that some ex that are not as good as him or but get bigger than him because of mm-hmm. you know. Is this it, Brian? No. No, no, Richard Jenny craps Jay on craps. Just ri- no, but on I, craps. I, that's what that's what yeah. I searched for. But this might be it because that's it, this came up as the second. Okay, let's give it a shot. Sixth through the tenth, please welcome Richard Jenny. Worst dresser, huh? Oh, he dressed like a guy who uh, was on much. a boat. Thank you very much. Good mood, yeah. yeah. Me too. I'm always in a good mood around the holidays. I had a great Thanksgiving, boy. I was so thankful. Are you thankful on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah, look at that turkey, and I'm thinking, hey, life is tough, and you have problems, but nobody ever cuts a hole in your ass and fills you with mushrooms. You know what I'm wow. I didn't know get away with that. Then. Jay Leno was and edgy. can mention problems without bringing up that model of self-restraint, President Bill Clinton. What a guy. Bill Clinton. Gotta give him credit. You gotta give the guy. I can't get my girlfriend to smoke a cigar. That guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> he, I guess the thing that annoys people is, you know, you kind of want the president to be a hero. When it turns out, you know, Clinton is just like every other stupid guy. He can't turn down oral sex. He can't. <laughs> he can't. No guy can. Because it combines the two activities no guy ever gets tired of. One sex, two, not moving at all. The big two. They can't believe it's happening at the same time. They're sitting there with a remote and a sandwich going, this is the big two. I'm having sex, I'm not moving, I'm with a girl who can't talk, what's better than this? <laughs> I don't know if this is the craps bit. Hopefully it is, because we're going to run out of time here. <laughs> Clinton does get impeached, though. You know why I think should be president? Hear me out here. Jack Kevorkian. You know why? He doesn't lie. This guy has nerve. Says a tape of himself for 60 minutes, ending a guy's life so he could get arrested on purpose. And if he's convicted, he's going to starve himself in jail as a protest. Now that is courage. That's commitment. That's a guy standing up and saying, hey, I don't want to live if it means I can't kill other people. That's nerve. <laughs> that guy's got nerve. I mean, think about it. Think of comparison. You know, Bill Clinton commits adultery, lies and squirms, and won't admit it to a single person. Jack Kevorkian commits first-degree murder and broadcasts it on national television. He's not the type of guy that would say, I didn't inhale, I didn't do it, not him. He'd be on the White House lawn having sex with an intern and doing bong hits out of the death machine. See how much time is left in this if it's got that craps bit in there. They give it a little bump. And the house going to make the segue. I'm happy if it's doing its job. A little more. See this? It was depressing how brave he was. Big Farmax pointed right at his crotch and he goes, if you say Nope. Anyway, that's a, isn't that weird, that sort of Tonight Show type comedy where you have like seven minutes, five minutes, you yeah. sort of rush into every bit? I hate writing those sets. I, last time I did it was uh, Jimmy Fallon. And I had fun because I liked Jimmy and the you know the band, but it's like I, they're so fucking contrived. Was, when he was doing his show or the Tonight yeah, Show, his show, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's not real comedy. It's like a, a like a cl- it's like the difference between a preview to a movie and the actual movie itself. Yeah, 
That's a good way of putting it. I mean, there's no soul to it. Yeah. You, you can't. You can't get deep. Everybody knows it's only going to last five minutes. Yeah. And you have a few minutes and you just wrap it up. That's over. I've seen a couple of guys. I mean, Seinfeld was perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Well, Richard Jenny was really good at it too. Cause yeah, he was a real, real good joke writer at it. But he was Richard was, was he flushed out bits so well that it took took away from that part of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, that was his that was his number one thing that he was really good at, and that's I learned that from him actually. I've talked about it before about how to really like get, get the most out of a bit, everything out of a subject. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Card table dating. Card table? No, I don't think that's it. On craps, playing craps. Maybe playing craps. It was an old bit. So the, all those uh, looked like they were too too recent for it to be him. <sighs> no worries. It's over, folks. Fucking podcast over. Don Marrera, I love you to death. Love you too, Joe. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Thanks. Anytime, my friend. And we'll uh, do your show, Break of Balls, at the Laugh Factory soon. And I'll uh, I'll put you it. You gotta up come on. and do my podcast again. Too. I would love it. Can Month you keep Jamie Masada out of the room again? I can keep him out of the room. For we you. did it one more time. One <laughs> more time. Keep him out of the room, buddy. I love you, Joe. Why are you so mean to me, Joe? I love Jamie too. He's a good guy. And uh, he promises to pay Brian <laughs> more money than how he much did he offer you? No, Shade. it's great. He's what? Di- it's fine. He's getting- this podcast is brought to you by Ting. Go to rogan.ting.com. Enter in the code word nothing because I already said it. Rogan.ting.com. Save yourself twenty five bucks, you fucks. And we're also brought to you by Audible. Go to audible.com forward slash Joe. Get your free audio book. We recommend Burt Kreischer's The Life of the Party. Get your free audio book and uh, up to one free month of Audible service. The number one provider for audio content on the internet. Audible.com forward slash Joe for a free book. And we're also brought to you last but not least by Onnit.com. That is O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. Uh, it's 72-hour sale. Has one day, 18 hours, and 10 minutes uh, if you're uh, right now, it's 551 on September 3rd. So if you get that, use the code word SEP, S-E-P, 72, and save 15% off anything. All right. We love the fuck out of you, and we will be back tomorrow. Oh, DeskSquad.tv, ShopSquad.tv for uh, all of uh, Brian's original artwork and T-shirts. All of it done by Brian, packaged by Brian, sent by Brian. All through Stamps.com, another sponsor. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with uh, the young and dangerous Tony Hinchcliffe. Until then, be cool with each other and spread love and give kisses. There's one for you. See you soon. Bye.